The following podcast contains spoilers and adult language. We recommend watching the movie beforehand, but hey, that isn't your bag? No worries. You do you. Brought to you by our patrons over at patreon.com slash matineemanities. If you'd like to support the show, consider becoming a patron. Donations start at just $1 a month, and half of all proceeds after hosting costs will go towards actual manatee habitat preservation, because we like to pay it forward by giving back. Enjoy the show. Sunny in Philadelphia, and I guess he did like a couple other movies or something. <laughs> something about like a labyrinth. Yeah, he did Pants. David Bowie or something, Have right? You Was seen that it? Pants Labyrinth yet? Uh, I saw it like a year after it came out, and my, uh, okay now. Here's my thing about Guillermo del Toro. When I was... How long was 2004? So that was, what, 13 years ago? 12 years ago? Whenever it was. Uh, whenever I saw the movie. Wow. It was like... Yeah. I, I think I had this weird mentality that... He would been kind of built up as this amazing director and I didn't like this movie when I first saw it and I didn't like Pan's Labyrinth when I first saw it. I haven't seen Pan's Labyrinth since then, but I really want to see it again because I'm quite certain my opinion of it has changed. Because my opinion of Hellboy has most certainly changed in the past 12 years. Yeah, I, uh, for sure. I don't know how objective I can say Guillermo del Toro is a great director because I, I definitely haven't seen all his things, but I know he's got a certain. He's one of those directors with a style, like. Cohen Brothers or Tim Burton, like you can tell you're watching one of their movies because of the things they do. Um, but he, he also did Blade 2, which is far and away, I think, the best Blade movie, which is not a series I have that much attachment 
to. But <laughs> when I sit down and watch it, that's definitely the best one. I I think I've seen Blade 2 and I it's been a very if long you, time. Like probably when it came out. If you've seen it, you probably remember the um the vampire guy's jaws would like split open do this mandible thing. I kind of vaguely remember that. That's, yeah. that's the image that'll stick in your head if you saw it a long time ago, but didn't hear <laughs> much of that story because that shit was also Guillermo del Toro as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I will admit there was one scene in this movie that I actually remembered from when I first saw it. I wrote it down. We'll talk about it way later. But there was exactly one scene in this movie that I remembered that I remember distinctly. But the rest of it was like it was basically like watching the movie for the first time. Which is probably better. Uh, it's the scene in in the um, in the mausoleum when uh, Hellboy and Manning are running across that stone bridge that's collapsing. Yeah. I remember that distinctly from first watching it. That's the only thing I remember from the movie from the first time I saw it. Nice. Yeah. Okay, anyway, so Guillermo del Toro. He, um, he apparently loved Mike Bingle's Hellboy the comics uh, because he really wanted to do this movie. Because he turned down Blade Trinity, Aliens vs. Predator, and this little movie you might have heard of called Harry fucking Potter because he wants to do Hellboy. Um, Wasn't that like the first Harry Potter movie? No. Or like one like of the, the like middle ones? Probably the third one. I think that's when they got rid of Christopher... Is it really Christopher Columbus? Is that his name? I think so, yeah, because he, I remember him, I remember seeing his name on other movies from like the early to mid-90s, but yeah, his, his name is Chris, I think he goes by Chris Columbus, but yeah. So it must have been the third one, which I think was the one with the werewolves and stuff in it. Which I would have loved to see Yellow Tross take on. <laughs> but whatever, I love Hellboy, so it's fine. <clears throat> he apparently did this right after Blade 2, which I hear anecdotally, uh, I have no idea if it's true. He mostly did so he could 
also do Hellboy? Like, sure, I'll do this movie that you want me to do, but then you have to let me do my comic movie that I want to do. <laughs> um, apparently not actually very high budget, like this was a 60-65 million dollar movie or something. Yeah, that's pretty low, for, especially for like early to mid-2000s action movie. Superhero action movie. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's still like, I mean, it's way less considering like the the more recent superhero movies that are like a, what, $200 million budget, something like that. Well, yeah, but they, they also know they're gonna make a billion dollars off them, so it's... Well, yeah, exactly. But this one, this one is pretty well-liked by critics. It's 81% on Rotten Tomatoes, although only 65% audience enjoyment score. It's got 4.5 stars on Amazon. Uh-huh. Which I think every other thing we've ever looked at has had four, so that's something. Yeah. It's also 6.8 on IMDb, which maybe I should start looking at more often because it varies more than Amazon does. Possibly. It is starring uh, Doug Jones, Ron Perlman, and Selma Blair, among others. William Hurt is in it for a while. Uh, John Hurt. John Hurt. You're right. Sorry. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for the correction. Um, no problem. I, I, I looked up the cast list last night because I was like, who the hell is... Oh, that's John Hurt. It's got... Because I feel kind of so-and-so Tambor, who I only know from Jeff Belton. But Jeffrey Tambor. But he's a lot of fun. The guy who plays Rasputin, I hadn't heard of before. He's apparently bigger in Europe, but he was really creepy. Yeah. Uh, Just overall pretty great. The two main characters, there's obviously Hellboy, who is Ron Perlman, who has the perfect face for Hellboy, and does a lot of things mm-hmm. where he's made up. He was also the lion guy in like Beauty and the Beast TV series and stuff. He has a good face for putting makeup on. And mm-hmm. then Doug Jones is Save Sapien. Doug Jones, you've seen a hundred times and haven't recognized because people <laughs> always put him in makeup. He's the bad guy. Although he was voiced by David Hyde Pierce, 
who then refused credit for it because he thought it was Doug Jones's role and they shouldn't have cast him to voice over anyway. Which huh. is interesting. I actually didn't know about that. Yeah, then the sequel is just Doug Jones doing the voice and he's fine, so... David Pierce was right. He's like, why are you... Why am I doing this? <laughs> like, he's magnificent. Let him be insane. <laughs> so if that's actually the reason, I like that a lot. Like, he apparently wasn't embarrassed of the movie at all. He was just, this shouldn't be his credit. There were some other choices for Hellboy uh, before it was made, which I thought was pretty interesting, because they were thinking Vin Diesel at first, which, in uh, fairness, I would have watched, like, Vin Diesel's... It could have been interesting. His voice would have been great. I know his voice would have been great. Yeah. They were also considering Rock the Dwayne Johnson. Which... <laughs> I also would have watched the hell out of it if we're being fair. Yeah. And Nicholas Cage, which I might not have. Oh, dear God. That might have actually been the most interesting to watch, but from an entirely different reason. I mean, I saw Ghost Rider. Uh, yeah. And, and, and I love Ghost Rider's character more than Hellboy and that it's not a good movie so I <laughs> you know I would have watched Vinny's I would have watched The Rock I think Rock Problem's still a better choice oh yeah for sure and they had apparently initially wanted him to transform back and forth from the Hellboy like a sort of the Hulk-esque thing. Which yeah. wouldn't have been nearly as interesting. I can see why they would have wanted to do it for having their star's face on screen and not having to spend as much on prosthetics and makeup and stuff. Like, fair enough, yeah. but it would have... Uh, it would have defeated the whole purpose, I think, of him being this freaky outlaw, or a freaky outcast, rather, who can't go outside. Mm. But those, I thought, were interesting things that almost happened and did not. Yeah. I actually did not know about the, the prior potential casting choices, so... guys, but I think Dwayne The Rock Johnson probably would have 
looked more intimidating as the demon thing, but... Oh yeah, no, he he's got he's got the face. He has he has the right sense of comedic timing and dry wit that you need from a character like Hellboy, which is uh, not actually I I don't know anything about the Hellboy comics, so I don't know if. The character is actually that has that kind of dry wit to it, but you know, I think Ron Perlman is a great choice for that particular style. Yeah, I don't either. I've uh, I've read a couple of Hellboy comics, but they're very sparse and visual. So I still don't have a great impression of what his voice ought to be like as a character. Mm-hmm. I just think of him at this point as Rob Perlman, so that works. No, I, I think I think yeah, I think I think Ron Perlman has like uh, again like I I can't really see Hellboy with. Dwayne The Rock Johnson's voice, or, I mean, Vin Diesel, maybe? I can can see Hellboy, if they did a Doug Jones thing and had him physically acted by Dwayne The Rock Johnson and then voiced by Vin Diesel, I can see that working. Kind of, yeah. But I, I still think Ron Perlman has the right. He has he has a lot of the the right qualities for a character like Hellboy. Oh, at least from my my perspective of having never read the comics and having seen the first movie now twice. He's fantastic, except for oh, yeah. this thing they they mentioned earlier on the movie, which is that he is in in Hellboy years, like 20, 25 years old. Mm-hmm. And no, he is not. Um, like, that's the only thing with Ron Perlman's face and voice is that uh, if he's actually aging in reverse dog years, as they say, and he's supposed to be in his mid-twenties, I get why you say he has the physicality of guy in his mid-twenties, and he's, like, flexible and heals fast and stuff, but... By casting Ron Perlman, you're casting a <laughs> grizzled middle-aged man who's rad and cannot pass for 20 <laughs> demon years or any fucking years. Um, so that's the only thing where 
because I know Hellboy better as the movie character than the comic character, I don't care. I think he's great. But it might have been miscast if that was an important thing. Yeah. Because that's definitely not a late teens, early 20s demon man. (laughs) But I mean, if you consider the other people that they had considered for the role, like... I mean... Well, this was in 2004, This is, like... True. Pitch black well, I mean, era like, of Vin Diesel, and, uh... Well, yeah, but he was still, like... He was still probably... I mean, he was younger than Ron Perlman, I'm sure, but... Like, none of the something. other people there... Yeah, but, I mean, like, none of the... None of the guys who you're talking about were in their 20s by that point, I think. But I mean, like, 10 years is not that difficult of a stretch for someone. I mean, maybe a a bit of a stretch for, like, Vin Diesel, because he kind of always looks old. But, like, Dwayne The Rock Johnson maybe could pass for someone in his early 20s when he was in his early 30s. It's just because, you know, he's... He's actually not that old, is he? Like... He's he's in his 40s. Okay. Yeah, because he was... Because he, uh... This is this is the inner wrestling nerd in me coming out now, because he was like uh, he was in his mid twenties in like the mid to late nineties, I think. Okay, but I mean this so, is two thousand four, human mind. So it might have just been. 13, I think he was, he was 29. He was maybe, he was maybe around 30. Like his, maybe his late, late 20s, early 30s probably. So he could have probably pulled it off decently well. And again, like, I don't know how much it matters. It's just that it, uh... Once they had said that, like, he does keep sneaking out and Easter bellies and stuff, and that kind of makes sense. But he definitely doesn't have the energy and sort of dumb voice of a, uh, <laughs> of a young protagonist. I think there was there was one scene where it definitely felt like that, and that was that scene where he's spying on Liz and uh, and Myers. But I think that just goes more to Ron Perlman's quality as an actor. Yo, I mean, he still didn't feel young and mature. He felt like someone who doesn't quite get how the world works. Which is fine. Yeah, the, 
Yeah, that's true. And then I guess the character himself is 60 years old. It's just because they said so. He's basically, you know, a young, impulsive guy. Like, eh, I don't feel it. But that's it. That's the only. That's the only problem that might have arisen. Uh, or that might not have arisen with other casting. Yeah, probably. So, this movie starts in Scotland um, in 1944 where they're in they're looking for some ruin because it has ley lines under it. Something, something. Uh, I like this scene possibly more than the entire rest of the movie. Like, it would have been okay to stay here for me. Because it's it's got everything I needed to have. It's got this sort of dark, spooky, fairy tale atmosphere. It's got, like, vampire Nazis or whatever the hell they're doing. Like, supernatural <laughs> wizard Nazis. It's got gruff American protagonists and a vaguely a fae religious studies <laughs> English guy who the gruff American soldier protagonists think is kind of weird but are still pretty polite to actually <laughs> like there's even that sign where or not that sign that part where he says something like you think I'm crazy, don't you? She's like, oh, no, Doc, I thought you were crazy three weeks ago. But he's <laughs> still being a great friend to this guy. So he's fine. <laughs> and I don't want to, like, belabor the, the play by play too much, but they find these Nazis are doing something. They're led by this guy who looks like Psycho Mantis. <laughs> Who's rad. Like, he's got a gas mask and his Nazi coat and his weird Wolverine arms. And Rasputin, the Russian monk of famed, uh, advisor to the Romanovs fame that was redundant um she was apparently a warlock working for Hitler which is just a bunch of random historical figures <laughs> and they're trying it's kind of sorry it's like it's like the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen all over again, except, uh, better. Yeah, except good. Although, yeah. in fairness, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen had some good setup and then fell apart. Oh yeah, no, I actually really want to see that movie again, even if it is... 
uh, terrible. Because I don't remember it being terrible, but then again, the last time I watched it was 15 years ago. So, it might not hold up. I'd be willing to do that. Uh, Okay, next time, I'm writing that down. Okay. Of Sarah, Sarah, I'll remember. Um, right. So, okay. Let me let me mention one thing before we get too much further, and that's one of the few things that really does bother me about a lot of like sort of uh, Americanized films is when people are more than likely supposed to be speaking different languages, (laughs) but they just basically speak it, but they just end up speaking English with an accent. An accent will usually suffice if you find yourself in a foreign country. I know, but it's like if you get lost in Thailand, consider just speaking English and Thai accent, you'll be fine. (laughs) I know, but I mean, like the like um, the clock, the the assassin, and then the uh, that lady who are speaking, you know. English with a slight German accent. Well, the assassin doesn't talk, does he? Uh, oh, right, no, he doesn't. Sorry. Just, uh, what's her... I don't remember her name. I'm so sorry. I just, like... I mean, she has, like, four lines in the entire movie. But, uh... Like, she's... She's German, and there are other German soldiers there. And then there's Rasputin, who's supposed to be Russian, but they're all speaking English. And that just, like, I mean, they could have at least made, I mean, I don't know if subtitles was just too difficult, but... Why well, I would be okay with that. For me, it almost kind Personally. of makes more sense when you've got people from different ling- linguistic backgrounds to all be speaking English. Because if you got a guy who speaks Russian and English, and you have a lady who speaks German and English, they would communicate in English. I'm not saying it's not a huge oversight in a trope in movies, but it makes more sense to me when you have people from all over the place. Like, what doesn't make sense to me is a bunch of Germans speaking English to each other. You know? Yeah. But, I mean, then, on the other hand, we don't necessarily know if any of the German soldiers or Rasputin were supposed to have known English in the first place. 
No, I mean, just make sure. I mean, like, I well, mean, there would make there more sense like if... I don't know if that matters. Maybe, I don't know. I mean, it would make more sense, like, if Rasputin spoke German because he was supposed to have been, like, a world traveler. Well, yeah, he's in the fucking Fool Society with Hitler and stuff. Which is real, yeah. by the way. Fool Society. I don't think they really spend their time summoning Cthulhu and shit. But, uh... <laughs> it was a thing. But no, that's... But anyway, that, that but is, I mean, like, like... Like, I would have been... Uh, I would have been okay, like, if Rasputin spoke German and all the and like everyone else is speaking in German with English subtitles because that would make more sense than a Russian person who would have probably been speaking Russian and then more German people who were speaking German but I don't know that's just those are little things that bother me for some reason. Um, I don't know actually, why. you're overlooking the fact they're trying to summon a demon in Scotland and for Scottish rituals to work you have to speak English. They're not on German ley lines so um, I I'm gonna reach through my Ethernet port and punch you. God damn it. Can't you speak to ley lines in England? You have to speak English. You don't hear me trying to summon Japanese Oni speaking like Korean. It doesn't work. Also, I don't think they speak English in Scotland until like 200 years ago, but whatever. Yeah. Or maybe they do. I should know nothing about that. I shouldn't even say that. I know they have different accents, that's all I know. Uh, Pretty much. So, right, so trying some of these things. The spotlight through the portal scene is rad. I love that. Because <laughs> it, it, it pulls spotlight through, it's floating through, it looks like outer space. And it's sort of slowly rotating, it rotates across something looks like glass or ice or something, and then just an eye the size of a, you know, small bus dilates, and that's all you see of these things. You don't know what it is, but it's huge and scary and it's rad. <laughs> um, yeah, so then... 
Rasputin's a weird element to throw in. There's Nazis everywhere. They fight. Psychomantis and uh, <laughs> successfully blow up the weird gyroscope they're trying to use to open the portal. And then Rasputin gets sucked through. Which looks really painful because his eyes get pulled out first because it's like a vacuum and then he gets sort of yeah. crushed backwards and pulled through a you know foot one hole yeah uh, and then he Wilhelm screams out of there does he? yep ah I missed <laughs> to be fair, that was the only Wilhelm scream I noticed in this film. I felt I thought at one point I heard about a half of another one, but I don't remember hearing any other ones. Cause I heard that immediately, and I was like, "All right, I'm gonna keep a, a, a running track of how many Wilhelm screams there are." And that was the only one I actually noticed. Yeah, I mean, I try to do a so. shot every time I hear Wilhelm scream, but I missed that one. <laughs> so it was... <laughs> it's like a drinking game for life. <laughs> uh, and then they find Hellboy, who's a CGI little... Capuchin monkey looking dude right now. Um, who has a right hand that I guess is always the same size because there's his entire body and then his right hand is the size of his entire body. Hmm. Uh, for now. And then later on it's just huge. That's it. Like, they're not going to kill him. They name him Hellboy because they're soldiers, and that's a funny name for him. And he really likes <laughs> Babe Ruth candy bars. Bit of product placement. What I really like about candy bars is they actually did the sort of 1940s wrapping for him, where it's like this wax paper sort of surrounding thing. Yeah. And then when in a later scene someone's giving him the same kind of candy bar six years later because he has brand loyalty to Babe Ruth for whatever reason, <laughs> uh, it's in the modern wrapping just sort of, it's a nice bit of continuity, sort of like that. Yeah. So I forget exactly what the next scene is, but is it already when they're in Moldova resurrecting Rasputin? Uh, yeah. There's that scene with all the, the different newspaper headlines which I wrote down that I really liked the music during that scene during that sequence with the newspaper headlines 
popping up all over the place over the next 60 years. And then, yeah, the next scene is Moldova. Yeah, I forget, I forget who does the music for this movie, but like, all of it. It's sort of cheesy yeah. and scary. Has a sort of... Yeah, it was... It, it did, it fit, it fit the, it fit the, the, the aesthetic really well. Yeah, it has a kind of throbbing bass line. It reminds me a lot of, uh, Sin City, actually, or their theme song, but it's the... It's done by some guy... I'll look him up later. You know what? No. Look him up at home if you want. But he's, uh... I know he's done a bunch of other movies, and he's pretty good in most of them. But so we don't... It doesn't start with good guys being innocent or happy with each other. It goes right to six years later the lady we just saw okay I guess I forgot this because it's kind of more we saw her being granted oh. immortality right? Because like she's hanging out with Rasputin before they do the ritual in 1944 and he says, I grant you the power, or I grant you eternal youth and the power to serve me or something. Right. Uh, that, that, I barely remembered that happening. Because when she shows up in Moldova, I'm like, wait a minute. Shouldn't she be dead, or at least like 80-something years old? Because I forgot about that part. Well, yeah, it's like, like, it was really 30 fast. seconds earlier. Like, it wasn't a ritual or a potion or anything. Like, he just sort of touched her head and told her that. So I don't know if she already had it or if he just gave it to her. But... What I like about the bad guys in this one is that they're they're clearly the bad guys. Like <laughs> like you wouldn't wake up in the morning and be like, Am I one of the bad guys? Like, no no, your best friend is a dust mummy <laughs> and you're you're clearly the bad guys. But I also sort of get their motivations more than most purely evil bad guys. Because you're not going to be filled with a lot of religious doubt if you've seen your gods and they let you live for 150 years. (laughs) Just like... (laughs) Like, no, no, I know I'm the bad guy, but I'm also sure that I'm on a good side to be on. Because <laughs> here's me, 28 years old for a century and a half. You know? <laughs> I get that. So that was kind of fun. 
they're in Moldova for some reason. Uh, and they have... Well, they said it was Moldova, but they have like a Sherpa guiding them through a really high mountain range. Yeah, that was a little confusing. Which maybe they have in Moldova. Like, I don't actually know the geography of that part of the world very well. But it felt like the Himalayas because it was just super high up and had that sort of blue filter over the lens that makes it look like it's always kind of nighttime you're above like the atmosphere or something. <laughs> yeah. uh, and they have that flurry of snow where it's so cold the snow isn't even melting. It's actually because you're using paper or cotton or something, but whatever. <laughs> they they execute this guy and use his blood to resurrect Rasputin. I don't like Psychomantis's Razor Tompas as much as I liked his razor-like wrist wolverine blades. <laughs> but it's fine. Yeah, I, um, the, the whole, the whole spinning blade gimmick got really old for me really quickly. But, I mean, I guess he had to upgrade, because wasn't, wasn't one, I think one of the, one of the scenes in Scotland was him getting shot, and then later on, present day, he's seemingly immune to gunfire, so. Well, he, he doesn't die when he because he gets shot a couple yeah. times in, in Scotland and then he gets yeah, exactly. his fingers cut off because he's going after that grenade then he has a grenade go off like four feet from him gets blown into a wall and impaled and he's still not dead so like he's already tough as shit in 1944. Yeah, well, I mean they they talk they they talk more about him later on that he, he would have been alive for like sixty or seventy years by the time the Scotland scene rolled around, so... Yeah, they, they have a lot of guys from, like, the Victorian era, seems to be when most of these characters were born. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, it's... They're... The gods and stuff are these ancient 3,000-year-old evils, but there's a pretty uniform age for the immortal bad guys and it's always 150 years <laughs> exactly old enough that you know they're not normal but not so old that you're like in awe of how old they are mm -hmm. uh, yeah. 
exactly. Because ditto Abe Sapien is from like 19 or 1860-something, right? Yeah, like they, they discovered him the day Abe Lincoln was assassinated, I think is what they said. Yeah. Which is why they named him Abe. So he also is very old. Yep. So then we cut to, because Rasputin comes back, uh, and he doesn't have any eyes, or you just don't see them ever, because he's wearing sunglasses through everything, and I think it's because his eyes got pulled out, right? Like, he never actually... Was he wearing sunglasses? Not when they resurrected him from the pile of blood, but I, I, I watched that scene twice, and I couldn't see any whites of his eyes. And I think it's because he doesn't have eyes at any point from now on. Which is cool. Yeah. Then they go to... It cuts to this William Hurt. John Hurt or William Hurt? Which one? John Hurt. John Hurt, thanks. Uh... <laughs> who is getting a cancer diagnosis, which goes pretty much nowhere. Mm -hmm. Because, spoilers for later in this review, which is already spoiler heavy, uh, like, he's gonna get killed before he dies of cancer. So there's this sort of, like, fake-out plot element that winds up not being relevant to anything, you know? Yeah. Which I guess is, is why he's getting the POV character to come help, because he needs someone to replace him, but other than that, there's no... Doesn't create anything for the plot if he gets murdered halfway through dying of cancer. No one knows that he had cancer yet, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, I really like the segue because they're in the middle of a news denial of this bureau does not exist. <laughs> And then sort of smash cut to the guy pulling up to that bureau that totally exists. <laughs> that was funny. I, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I did think it was kind of funny that they had that the, uh, the paranormal investigation bureau just like, man, it's right on the open, like, whatever. Well, it's, it's cool. I mean, I know it's, I know it's disguised as waste management, but still, I, I think it's kind of funny, personally. Well, I just think it's funny that there's top-secret organization, but their fucking logos on everything they use. <laughs> like, 
That's not how you get plausible deniability for leaving corpses all over the city, which you are. <laughs> you know what was, was weird was when when they first introduced that the, the Bureau of Paranormal Investigations or whatever it was, all I could think of was, man, I really wanted to watch Men in Black again. It's been like 10 or 15 years since I watched that. Uh, it is, it is men in black as hell in this scene. Yes, uh, exactly. Which one came first? I think men in black came first, right? Men in black was like 1999 or something. Yeah, so... It was a long time ago. It is, uh... Let's call it an homage, but it's definitely borrowing pretty heavily. Oh, yeah. This isn't Men well, in Black. I mean, actually, sorry, go on. No, no, actually, I was going to say, because I think Hellboy, the comic was like the mid-90s, and I know there was a Men in Black comic, but I don't know when that came out, and now I'm curious... Now I need to look it up, because if I don't, I will be bothered for the rest of the day. Yeah, because whether or not Guillermo del Toro ripped off Men in Black or Men in Black ripped off Mike Mignola, it has a very Men in Black feel to it, because I think the Men in Black place is also under a fake waste management facility, right? I think so. Okay, Men in Black was 1997. Wow, that's... That's 20 years ago. Okay. And everyone's Men in Black except Will Smith. <laughs> Lucky bastard. Okay, uh... So, the Men in Black is an American comic book... Uh, when does it, when did it start? Uh, oh, okay, 1990. So, Men in Black did come before, um, did come before Hellboy. Okay, so depending on how many elements were present there, this just heavily borrows from Men in Black. But it's fine, because yeah. it only does it for like two scenes and then you get down into the place that's totally different. Yeah, exactly. Which is why I almost kind of wondered why they did it in the first place. Because you have this big entry thing and then once you're down underground everything takes place in this sort of Victorian looking library that has nothing to do with what you see going in or out. <laughs> well, it's cause, it's because it's where um, where John Hurt's character that's where he's most comfortable, I guess, right? Yeah. Well, and uh, Abe Sapien who has the fish tank on the oh, side. Yeah. But okay, so. Exactly. We're introduced at this point to Myers, who's going to be our POV character. 
What do you think of this guy? Um, he reminded me a lot of the guy who played the Rocketeer. Okay. And that's about all I can say. I looked him up later, and apparently he's actually English. So he hid his accent really well, because I did not realize oh, he nice. was English. Yeah. Well, I wonder if... Because he seemed like a very bland character to me. And I... Notice, I think that a lot of English actors who are playing American characters, and I wonder if, like, you use up 50% of your acting on the voice or something. <laughs> like, maybe, because, I mean, the same thing happened with you know, Robert Pattinson in Twilight, because he's English. Yeah, or and um, I, he hit his accent really well. I own Grafod. Ion... Oh, yeah. yeah. He's Welsh, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, in uh, Fantastic Four, yeah. Like, there's, there's a budding theory here. <laughs> Ben's law of conservation of acting ability where <laughs> you can only you only have so many points if you're spending a bunch on suppressing your own voice maybe your character is pretty bland I don't know is this like is this like GURPS or something what uh I mean it could be I don't know GURPS very well. Because <laughs> um, I know GURPS is like a weird... Isn't it like a point-based system? I could be completely wrong. I don't remember. I know it's I one of those never... tabletops with dice and stuff. I don't know if you spin... Because I think you roll... I know you roll dice, I don't know if those give you points you spend, or I don't know if that determines actions, or what. Yeah, I might be thinking of something entirely different, but I was just thinking, like, you, you, have, you have so many points you can spend uh, at any, you know, for any given situation, so... In this case, they would be spending how you know more points than usual just on the accent. I mean, it doesn't have to be points. It could be like a liquid energy that is act. Yeah. I would call it act. <laughs> you only have so much liquid act in your act cells, um, <laughs> which. If you're using them up. <laughs> Conservation of acting is the, uh... <laughs> <laughs>
So I mean, it's not like he did he did anything major of consequence. Fair enough. No, he's not. He's not useless, but it just seems like the oh, he 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 seems like the most boring part of the movie to me. Yeah. Even because you have other agents, even who seem more interesting to me, like clay or lime or moss or stone or I guess they're all named after substances you find in the ground which is fun (laughs) yeah okay um so Myers character I don't really need but he's fine he's not offensive to me or anything 
Um, I wrote down, they got a gold door in their bunker under museum lobby in a fake waste management plant. Because they do. They have this, like, <laughs> weird art deco mid-twenties looking golden fucking door over the library. Very men in black. I actually wrote that down before he said it. So, <laughs> great bonds and all that. Uh, Abe Sapien is fucking beautiful. Yeah, but the costume and makeup for this fish guy is amazing. Uh, the, 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 the one thing, and that one out of many things I will give this movie great credit for, is that, like, I'm, I'm this weird stickler for, like, facial movements in movies where it's like CG or puppetry and Hellboy does a really good job with the like the facial and mouth movements especially like for Abe Sapien and for Hellboy himself it just like it looks like they're actually talking instead of just random mouth flaps and the noise coming from it. It looks like actual talking. Which I can appreciate. Well, I think that's Doug Jones' mouth, right? Like, it's he's got heavy... Oh, is it? Yeah, I think he's got, like, heavy lipstick on, but there isn't much CGI in this movie. Like, it's mostly costumes. Yeah, it did. It did feel a lot more like practical, and then puppetry effects. So, yeah, and in fact, you maybe can, I'm just wrong. You can tell know. once or twice, like uh, the only parts where the visual effects slip up are when he's fighting that hound. Yeah, like once or twice, you can tell it's a costume just from how it moves. Yeah. But, like, I don't... I, I think other than the faraway shots for things like jumping and scaring on walls, I think this is all practical. Um, and I don't think it's prosthetic mouth. Like, I think that's just Doug Jones pursing his lips and talking through a mask, which is awesome. Okay, uh, then, uh, then I will rescind my comment and just say, bravo Doug Jones. No, he, he's amazing. I think he has, um, is it Marfan's syndrome? Uh, I actually don't know. Well, he has longer, thinner limbs than healthy people can have when they're not starving. Uh, which makes him great for... Um, like he also plays Pan in Pan's Labyrinth. 
the fog, which looks all skeletal and a little too thin to move, but it's him. Yeah. Uh, he's played... Shit, I should just look up this guy's filmography. (laughs) He's played everything cool you've seen. Um... (laughs) In Pen's Labyrinth, he was that horrible monster with the eyes in its hands that everyone's afraid of forever. Oh, yeah. Uh, who also had the too skinny to move limbs. Let's see, he was in Hellboy. He was in Fantastic Four 2 Rise of the Silver Surfer as the Silver Surfer. Uh, I guess he was the bye-bye man. I never saw that one. But I don't know what that is, but okay. It's some new horror movie. He was hmm. Slender Man and always watching. Hmm. Um, he was in John Dies at the end, which is a weird movie that I like first half of a lot than didn't anymore. <laughs> Never saw that one. He was, oh, he was the creepy, like, witch zombie lady in quarantine. Yeah, I haven't seen that one either. I, I, dude, I really don't watch as many movies as I should. Uh, he was some alien in Men in Black 2. Uh, he was one of the Borlocks, I think, in the Time Machine. He was a demon in Doom. Uh, etc., etc. He's in a lot of things because he's easy to costume and he's awesome. Oh, hey. Fun fact. He was the lead gentleman in that episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. I forgot about that, but of course he fucking was. That's so great. Anyway, I love Doug Jones. He's my favorite skeleton man. <laughs> and the couple have to he's also just a really good actor like I've seen him without makeup a couple times and he holds his own it's just because he can pull off physical uh, it's just called physical acting when you're not speaking but you're just in a costume miming stuff I suppose so. Because he can pull off stuff like that, he's pigeonholed a lot as the monster, but he's also a fine actor. Um, anyway, I love Doug Jones. I love Faye Pseepian. I love the feeding rotten eggs. <laughs> okay, well, in that case, because that was Doug Jones actually speaking... I will give David Hyde Pierce really good credit and the A was an AR. 
or whatever it is. The, the, the post-production team, I'll give them credit for matching up their voice to, for matching up David I. Pierce's voice to Doug Jones's mouth movements as well as they did. Oh yeah. So I'll get, I will give them credit for that. Then. Good call. I never actually noticed any. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like they, you didn't. There was no. Like I didn't notice any. Uh, lapses in that whatsoever. So I will give the post-production crew a lot of credit for that specifically. But, yeah. So this is the scene where you get sort of an info dump about the Bureau. Mm -hmm. They briefly go through this kind of fun alternate history thing where like World War Two ended in 1945 and Hitler died in 1953 or something. And Myers is like, don't you mean 45? He's like, uh, yeah, sure. Because <laughs> in this version, Hitler's a warlock. And you see, like, the Spear of Longinus, which is an actual, I mean, it's not an actual artifact, but is a legendary thing. It's just chilling next to the Ark of the Covenant uh, in the background from Indiana Jones and Legend. <laughs> which, I mean, I think I know what it looks like because of Indiana Jones, because we've agreed it must have looked like this, but who knows what it actually looked like. And a random fetus in a jar, and a ceramic cat statuette, and a bell. I'm just super intrigued by what all this shit is, but they don't address it even. <laughs> Then you meet Hellboy, who skips leg day, because <laughs> they decided for the rest of the movie that he should just wear pants and boots, I think, just because it's much easier to, A, you don't have to have a special effect all the time, it's probably much safer to run around and do stunts when you're not in a weird lake rig but when you first meet him he's wearing shorts his legs are like an inch and a half thick like it's a weird uh, I know they're like that in the comic but the comic is overly stylized and weird and it looked really strange in real life But then we don't ever get another shot of him, so it's fine. <laughs> Unsettlingly skinny and has hooves. That's it. 
his makeup too. Uh, looks really good. He's clearly got a fake sort of muscle chest on. But the way it moves with him, it's not super noticeable, actually. Yeah. I love his makeup, I love his eye thing. I guess the only part of his actual skin you see at all are his eyelids, which they also painted red. So, like, it's, it's a full head-to-foot thing. I love everything about it, except the fact that they mention he's about 20, because nope. Nope, 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 nope. nope. <laughs> Pearl but nope. Oh, yeah. And then they jump immediately to the garbage truck scene. Because you get like, you get a couple minutes of just talking about Hellboy and how he has to eat like a million calories a day and they're bringing him several salad bowls of chili uh, <laughs> which is fun yep and then there's a red alert and then they have to go yeah and then garbage truck and then it just sort of drops you right in like it's just a mission day it winds up being a special mission, but there's nothing about the lead-up to it that suggests that. It's just like, yeah, it's Tuesday, and something ate some guys, and we're gonna go kill them. Which I liked as an introduction. <laughs> I almost wish we'd had one more day-in-the-life thing, because it turns out this is the beginning of the main plot, which is, he just gets there coincidentally the day that all this shit from 60 years ago is going down, but that's yeah. fine, it doesn't bother me or anything, it was just a, uh, a noteworthy thing. And they, well, uh, I had to pause to go back to notice, but they, Abe is wearing goggles with water in them, so it doesn't dry his eyes out, and this sort of like neck harness around the the gills in his neck, which keeps water in them. Oh, that would explain why. Okay. But they don't, they don't call attention to it, they don't address it, which I like a lot, because you're just, mm-hmm. like, it does, it's, this is a movie that doesn't think the audience is stupid. So it's just yeah. sort of an extra, like, oh no, we thought of that. Don't worry about it. Which I liked a lot. Because Abe's walking around, of course he can't breathe in the air, so he's got a reverse scuba rig on. 
I can appreciate that. Something just happened. No, it's my air conditioner. Oh, I mean, um, the cargo ship is passing by. Yeah, yeah. Again. Yeah, we're mad he's going to the bit. Yep. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so that was a nice touch. He has this giant gun with like, like dick sized bullets. <laughs> Full of every random, like it's got silver and pine wood and holy water and cloves of garlic and shit in it, which is funny. Yeah. And Samael also is rad. Yeah. <laughs> Describe this creepy fucker for me. Um, I would love to, but they never focused on it for more than about a half a second at a time in any camera shot. So it was difficult for me to see, but it was basically... Sort of like a very large uh, dog with tentacles for a face is my interpretation of it. Yeah, it's got like... It looks sort of like the predator dogs that they use in that new movie. Because it's got predator tentacles for hair, sort of weird skull face and four eyes, and it's mostly a dog, we keep calling the Hound of Resurrection, but it's definitely played by a guy who hunches over because it still stands up on its hind legs sometimes and does weird <laughs> shit. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's uh, creepy as fuck is what it is. Yeah, and it's also got, it's got the same sort of weird hell scar tattoo patterns on its skin that Hellboy does, and I like that a lot. Hmm. Because things from hell have circular designs on their skin. Why not? Well, I mean, they they had those circular designs when they were resurrecting Rasputin, so I mean, it all ties together. Yeah, it's a thing. It's circles for the devil. Just keep that in mind. Yeah. Well, I mean, there were the however many circles of hell, right, from Dante's Inferno. Yeah, nine, seven. Which. I think it was nine, but I've never read any of them. I really should. I feel so uncultured when we talk about this kind of stuff. 
Yeah, I mean, I should. Well, they made a video. No, I shouldn't. They made a video game out of it. You can play that. I, I don't remember it getting very good reviews. No, and and it's, I kind of would rather actually read this book. It has nothing to do with the book. Oh yeah, no. I sorry, I, I would much rather. Shepherd, but, uh, no, I know, I get it. But I would much rather. I would much rather actually read read the books because I have not. I yeah. I I haven't I haven't like read a, an actual book cover to cover in far too long. Yeah, I think I read. I read the Divine Comedy, but the problem is I was reading it in the original Italian and translating as I went. So I don't know anything about it, honestly. <laughs> like, it was a project uh, to do for school, and it was not. And it was with a paper dictionary, so I missed most of what was going on because I was too busy hating the book for making me do this. Um, so, I know the gist, but that's about it. This is the first time, because Samuel knocks me out a window, First time I noticed that he has the logo of his super secret organization on the shoulder of his coat. <laughs> and Abe Sapien has it on his belt. And fair enough, like if you find out that those guys dead, you know something's up no matter what. But so does everyone else on their belts, which is a ridiculous thing. I love all of the creature effects in this movie. There's a chase scene. Where are we at now? Yeah, there's this chase scene through the town. It's Halloween conveniently. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's fine. It's super convenient, but it's fine. Or it's... It's Halloween or it's some sort of a festival where people wear costumes, I can't really tell. <laughs> it's sort of hard to tell where they are. Like, apparently they're in New Jersey, except that's where their base is. But I don't know if they've gone to New York or whatever. And the, the town is clearly in Europe somewhere. Like, they filmed this somewhere inexpensive, but you can tell from the way everything's sort of paved and there's no plant life whatsoever and all the buildings, that sort of square thing. Like, it's a Eastern European town of some kind. Uh, I don't know which one, but it's, it's a little obvious, you know. I actually did not even remotely notice that, but then again, I don't 
have that much knowledge of like a European city uh, architecture and that sort of thing. Well, so they have uh, this weird thing they do where they in the old cities they pave everything and if there's any plants it's in like a little square of dirt but you hmm. it, it's it's hard to tell in this scene it's much more obvious when he's on the roof later and sort of watching them walk through the town for a little while but it's just got that very sort of dead as hell, uh, pave every square inch of everything, and then just have cubes of buildings, same that Europe does. Uh, because America's better. <laughs> I like trees freedom. <laughs> I'm pretty sure this probably have less freedom than Europe, whatever, whatever. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Eagles. God damn it. Oh, hey, there was another, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but there was another scene, uh, I think it was during this chase, that was the other scene that I do remember from the, from the original film, and I mostly remember from the original film. Because this was also a topic from an episode of Mythbusters. Ooh. It's the one where Hellboy punches the car and the car does the flip over. Because Myers was like running through the street or something. Right, because Myers tries to help, but he's useless. Yeah. Yeah. And so he's like running through the street and there's a truck that's barreling towards him and Hellboy jumps in front of him, says something witty, punches the hood of the truck, and the top truck just flips over him. And like a few years later, Mythbusters did an episode where they tried to test that out. And I don't remember what the result was, but it was something like, you know, you would have to have like 20,000 pounds of force in order to actually make the car do that. So the myth was busted, even though it's, you know, from a, from a gothic horror Superhero film. He might have. It's based on a comic book. He might have 20,000 pounds of force. He uses his rock. Yeah, exactly. No, exactly. It's like it's. 
like they, they, I don't know. They're, they're trying to, they were trying to, they were trying to uh, understand the myth or the, the, the movie scene from like a logical point of view, which you can't do <laughs> because it's a comic book movie. No, I mean, and you really. Uh, I, I love the Mythbusters. I will say no unkind things about the Mythbusters. Oh, yeah, Plus, those are fantastic. Um, Jamie Heineman is a walrus, so he's a relative of ours. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, but, um,. If they proved that it was physically possible with enough force, that's kind of fun. Oh yeah. So no, they actually they actually did that. They managed to do that. Then it's possible, that's fine. Like yeah, they can't exactly. behave that way. Yeah. But yeah, they have to he has to save Myers because Myers is useless. Abe's not even coming with because Abe's not a hitter. He's he's just a knows things. But he's the one who yeah, tells him that it's the Hound of Resurrection. Um which is an interesting thing they keep doing. So, my notes here, he chased him down to the subway, the subway runs him over, there's a kind of funny scene where the subway driver definitely thinks he's a bad guy too, he's <laughs> awesome, why would you not, um, yeah. it's some so he's like hitting him yeah, in the face like three times and Always like, hey, stop and I'm on your side. Then the Tranover's like, oh, really? Well, was like, yeah. And then he just smacks him in the face one more time, knocks him off. And of course, you know, because it's a train and Hellboy gets hit five or six or seven times in the head. Yeah. By the train, which is like, you know, every time he does, it's like, ow, 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 this is annoying. Why am I still looking up? Yeah, and then he, so he stands up and his horns have been hit a bunch of times. They're, they're white hot and he touches them. It's like, snap. Which is, is where I took a note. Like, how come if he's fireproof, then the subway friction burns, <laughs> burn his finger, and then I cut myself off and shut up it. <laughs> but it is inconsistent for that second. <laughs> because he burns his fingers on his horns and that's how he knows they're <laughs> hot but then later on 
And now later on, like eight seconds later, he's fireproof, so he kills Samuel by grabbing him, then grabbing the third rail. He's fireproof but conductive, so Samuel burns to death, and that's that. Which is pretty cool. I like the effect. That's probably CGI. Or they just burned a guy to death inside a costume. <laughs> but what he doesn't see is two little green sparks coming out. Or one green spark coming out and then splitting after kill Samuel because in a flashback you get from Abe who has psychometry? Yeah, I'm not entirely sure what the... Yeah, the, the, the ability... He's, he's like a... It's Vulcan mind melt. That's what it is. Let's just go with that. Well, but it works on objects where, like, he touches something, he can see what happened with that Vulcan object. mind melt. Yeah. Um. <laughs> uh, so, in Abe's psychom- psychometry, is actually way cooler than Vulcan mind melt. It's way cooler. Than his being breathe underwater, uh, as far as <laughs> actual abilities go. But he it shows that it was actually those guys, and Rasputin did it, and says to Samuel that every time he falls, two more will rise, and that's what the spark thing means. And this is when you first meet Manning, I think. No, he was he was uh, at that first scene right before they smash cut to the bureau. Oh right, right. The he was paranormal investigation. Yeah. Because he's like the le- he's like the head of the FBI, but yeah. And I loved his line here, where he's like, who was here? Uh, Nixon? Houdini? What was this? This <laughs> sort of a great meta-commentary on their Rasputin and Hitler and Jesus bullshit. Like, I don't know who's the spooky guy from history. Was it Houdini? Was Houdini here? Was Richard Nixon here? Tell me what's going on. <laughs> so that was and, fun. Yeah, I have a couple notes from the from that scene. Also, do it. Actually, I don't. I don't even remember writing down anything about. Manning showing up, but there was that, I think there was that point where where they were doing the, the flashback to seeing uh, Rasputin and 
all of his disciples and everything in that museum. Because I wrote this down because I thought it was funny, even though it's probably not actually funny. Because I wrote down Nazis in the present day. Hey, they must be American. Lol. You know. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> and then also there was a line in where fairness, they uh, could be French. Yeah, okay, that's true. <laughs> Topical. Getting political. <laughs> you don't like conservatives. <laughs> and then there was a line that Rasputin said something about he would he'd collect the salt from the tears of a thousand angels. And all I could think about when he said that was, I wonder how long it took to collect that much. Because that was a lot of salt. All I could think about was, what's that taste like? That too. Because it's just like, those are... That was a lot of salt. I won't put angel tears in my fries. Tastes like Tastes like Tastes like blasphemy. Tastes like Tastes like Yeah, let's let's go with that. Why not? Hellboy doesn't go home right away. Because he wants to sneak off and see this girl he has a crush on. Whose background is a little unclear on. Like she's from the Bureau, but she was taken there as a child when she accidentally burned a bunch of bullies to death or something. I think so. It was because they because they showed like flashbacks or news footage or something. Uh, no, no, because. They actually show some sort of a flashback, I guess, where it showed her uh, yeah, getting bullied, and then she freaks out, and then she starts gets on fire, and she's like, oh, no, not again, and then she blows up, and I guess she just kills a bunch of people. Yeah. So I think that... Because I think in the... And I I read the synopsis of the comic that this movie was based on. And it said something like she was taken to the Bureau, like, as a child. As, like, an 11-year-old kid. Because of... She blew up, like, half of the town. Yeah, then her house grew up together a little bit. Although Hellboy's like 60, so he would have been an adult at first. 
but she grew up a lot in the Bureau or around the Bureau or something. And has just recently left to be committed in a mental ward, which is helping her not freak out and burn everyone to death. Yeah, that's what it seems like. Uh, I guess she's on Thorazine or something, but the, uh, she's played by Selma Blair, who I had a huge crush on the early 2000s, so I remember why. <laughs> um, but she's just sort of doing her blank, low-key Selma Blair thing. Where she's yeah, which sorry, go sorry, go ahead. No, no, you, you go ahead. Yeah, so she's just very sort of sedate and quiet and unimpressed by everything. <laughs> sort of eyes always half closed thing, but in a kind of clever, very sharp but uncaring way. I don't know, it's an interesting hmm. character, but it's... I like it. I, I was, I was kind of curious throughout the film. Actually, I'll freely admit that uh, throughout the film until I saw the end credits, for some reason I thought that uh, this was Katie Holmes. I don't know why. Refresh my memory on who Katie Holmes is. I know the name. She was married to Tom Cruise in the early to mid 2000s. Okay, yeah. She was in uh, Batman Begins and Dawson's Creek and stuff. Probably. I don't actually know. For some reason, I had that in my mind that. Katie Holmes was was Liz, but I forgot it was Selma Blair. But yeah, I was I was kind of curious about the the character choice because like I don't know anything about the characters from the comics, but I mean like again, I also don't really know Selma Blair's aesthetic that well. But it seemed like, like she was, I don't, I don't know. Like it was, I don't, I don't want to say that she played Liz completely emotionless because she didn't. But yeah, that, that sort of bored, flattened, unimpressed affect. Like the which I like if they're doing a Hellboy three, I know, but the recasting everyone, and I think this should go to Aubrey Plaza because it's the same fucking thing <laughs> that she does very well. See, because because what I was curious about was. Who I also have a crush on, so it fits. 
<laughs> Turns out that's what I like. I don't know. <laughs> but I mean, it, it kind of makes sense now that I think about it uh, in retrospect because she was. The character was probably trying to basically just contain her emotions, excuse me, so she didn't, you know, blow up a town again, which I didn't think about that while I was watching the movie. I thought, you know, why, why is, why is Selma Blair playing this character as this sort of know, sort of emotionless, sort of dead-eyed character, and now that I think about it, it's like, alright, because she doesn't want to kill everyone. Yeah. All the time. But I kind of like that a lot, because it's the exact opposite of what they usually give to, like, fire characters, it seems like. Mm -hmm. I, I can only think of like two or three, but they usually seem to be these angry, weird, like the element of fire types. Yeah. Um, I think or, of like Avatar just... The Last Airbender or X-Men or yeah. things like that. Or Fantastic yeah. Four. Yeah, I was just about to say our fantastic world where there's like chaotic and that sort of thing. Yeah, so. but I kind of like that it's the exact opposite for her. And because it's a, a not fully controlled thing where it matches her emotional state, it makes sense because... Johnny Storm would be catching on fire every time he, like, saw a woman in leggings. Um, <laughs> and, uh, the being wild and out of control doesn't really work if you have this not-quite-controlled superpower that is only death for everything made out of flammable materials. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, actually, I mean, because when I was watching the film, I was thinking, well, this isn't very interesting, but now that I think about it, the day after I watched the film, it's like, oh, that was actually a much more interesting character choice than what you normally get for the fire elemental type characters. So I actually will give her, I'll give Selma Blair credit for, for going that route, as opposed to the, the typical route, I guess. I like the emotional thing, and I like that it's not, she can't like, throw fireballs or breathe fire in a cone at people or shoot lasers out of her eyes or whatever. Like, all she can do is explode in every direction. So it's not yeah. actually like a power you'd 
want to have because the only time she can use it that doesn't kill all her friends is if she is 100% surrounded by horrible things. <laughs> like... <laughs> I, I sort of like how it's not, like... I can see why that's a curse, not a power, you know? Yeah. Like that one character from the first season of Heroes, right? That was his whole power, was he could yeah. explode and kill uh, everyone. Ted. I still remember. I loved Ted. Yeah. He was great. Um, that was a good show for a season. Yeah. Well, it was a fun show for a season. I don't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I should watch that one again. Uh, yeah, me too. Uh, one thing, and I... I don't think she does it in this scene like she catches her hand on fire. The blue flame doesn't quite work for me. Because she catches on fire, but it's blue. That's it, really. Except then some radius from her body has to change into orange fire because that's what's happening with everything else. So, like, when they do the flashback of when she's a kid, she's on blue fire. The fence behind her is orange regular fire and stuff. When later on she catches on fire on her bed, the bed's wreathed in flames and the rest of the room is orange. It just looks more artificial and CGI to me because they have to cut it off at some point to replace with normal looking fire. Well, is I mean, isn't that how isn't that how fire works though? It's like, isn't it isn't the blue flame the more concentrated, hotter part of the flame? Or am I just completely misremembering? No, it is, but I think that's only with, like, uh, you see little wisps of it, like, very close to logs and campfires. You see that for the first half inch out of, like, a acetylene torch or um, a, like a range stove but it fades into it and they don't seem to quite have the okay because it, it's not like it's shooting weird. out of her it's like just a blue flame that then is still blue when it winks out because it's not even hot anymore, you know, three feet above. Mm-hmm. So it's... Uh, like, I think that's what they were trying to do. It just doesn't quite translate because of how they did it. You know? Okay. Yeah, I, I, I follow you. So it looks weird to me for that reason. 
And also I know there's ways you can make flame blue by like burning different materials. Like you can burn certain powers since red, whatever. That's how you make fireworks. Uh, but it looks faker than it needs to. And I think if they just swapped that palette out, it would have been a lot more convincing for me. Because I think that's the only really consistent CGI effect in the movie, is the fire stuff. Yeah, I think so. But that's a really minor complaint. It was just, one thing's not working for me is the fact that it's got me blue. That's it. It's a petty, <laughs> but takes me out of the movie every time it happens thing, you know? Hellboy who's passing out because he's lost all his blood and there's eggs in him and shit. And she tells him that he should probably leave her alone, not because she doesn't like him, but because she's has a chance to not be a complete fuck up out here. <laughs> Which kind of makes sense like you're super traumatized do you want to spend a bunch of time underground with demons or like try to reintegrate <laughs> so they're back in the place Abe's doing surgery on his arm and he pulls out these three eggs that are like the size of goddamn marbles. Yeah. Which is cool, but how would you not notice something that big under your skin? You know? I'm kind of curious about that now. Because, I mean, I, I mean... We, I mean, we've established that Hellboy is pretty resistant to most types of damage. So, I mean, there's a good chance that maybe, I mean, he, he must not have, like, he must have tougher than normal skin, I would think. But then again, if you have things floating around inside of you that are not, that, that are foreign bodies like that, then, yeah, it seems a little strange that he wouldn't have noticed that. Well, they weren't floating around inside of him. Like, he, they took them directly out of the arm wound he got fighting Samuel. Yeah. So it's just that he lays eggs on things when he attacks them. It's mostly just that, like, like you can get parasite eggs laid in you normally, like as a person, but they're they're small, they're like the size of you know the width of a hair or two, so you don't notice them. If it's the size of a goddamn marble, you'll notice that you're plucking out of yourself, 
you know, Jesus. Well, I mean, I, I, I don't know if he noticed that 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 part of Samael had actually detached and attached to his arm. Oh no, I mean, right? Because they pulled that part off. Yeah, no. Of him too. So you think oh, maybe he's just numbers and people are or something? Maybe. That makes yeah. sense, I guess. I don't know. Just a theory. Oh, fair enough. And this is the same night when Rasputin shows up at what's her name's what is her name? Liz? Liz Sherman, I think. I could be wrong. I know it's Liz. It's a fairly freaking old name, but I like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, she says later on that something like she's. I don't know if it's a bullshit statistic or it's true, but she said something like forty percent of all women on Earth are named Liz. Or something. I oh, yeah. And then, then John has to pretty good comeback. He's like, well, shit. Like, my, so name my name is John, John T. Myers. <laughs> that was actually it's pretty good. No. <laughs> yeah. And this is where the blue fire bugged me a lot for the first time. Because he gives her nightmares or something, Rasputin does. Um, he shows up in a room. Cool scene where he shows up in a room, like the guy comes in to check and everything's fine, and then as soon as he leaves, Rasputin comes out of the shadow where he clearly wasn't a second ago. It's pretty well done. <laughs> uh, yeah. Kind of spooky. <laughs> but he gives her nightmares, like puts this rune on her forehead, and she has a nightmare about uh, when she killed those bullies and then sets her bed on fire and then explodes, which puts a fireball through the entire mental ward. Which is crazy scary, uh, because yeah. up to that point, you know she's a pyrokinetic, and you sort of think you know what that means, because you've seen movies before, and she kills like 300 people or something. <laughs> yeah. Although they never actually mention any casualties later. Like, when I, they're I, talking to the yeah, doctor and she's sorry. under observation, they're like, oh, we're gonna have to, this will set the program back months. Like, did she not just lose everyone? But, 
Yeah, I, I don't know, maybe. It seemed like they just, it was just structural damage. It didn't seem like she actually killed anyone, which is kind of a surprise, given the, the uh, ferocity of the fireball yeah. that ensued. And she was in a dormitory. Like, there are other people in beds and rooms next to her, weren't there? I thought. I would have, I would think so. I, I don't know. Well, anyway, it's a flashpoint thing, and maybe yeah. it was just a little bit of fire for a second. I don't know how these things work. Maybe. Anyway, but that's all you see, and then you go back to what the Bureau's doing, which is an Easter egg hunt. <laughs> Describe this scene for me. So, the, the first thing that I will note about this is that there was a point where... I guess it was Manning who said find the eggs and destroy them. It might have been uh, Professor Broom. But then I wrote down, how can you destroy that which cannot be killed? And I made that thinking face. Because <laughs> I was like, you know, pondering about that. Um, so they're back in the sewers at this point because uh, they they had figured that since Samael must have laid its eggs somewhere, because of course it did. And uh, they were, you know, they're talking, well, it's, they probably laid the egg somewhere damp and wet, like when it did to Hellboy's arm. Yeah, where it's the only place that you lost track of it for a couple minutes, I think, was the, uh... Yeah. Why that was here. Yeah, exactly. So... They look, you know, they, I guess they're trying to, to figure out where it might have been. And I think Abe's the one who kind of figured out where there was some water underneath. Well, it was I think abandoned, like, 20th or 1920s reservoir, right? Okay, yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, what is is this the point where they're trying to figure out how to get into it? Because I guess it had been um, sealed off. Or am I, am I just completely misremembering this scene? Oh, yeah. Uh, there, were, there were no ways in, so Hellboy punches through. 
through a brick wall, I think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, it's that that was that was enjoyable. And then it cuts to the the psychomantis guy who's who's really been looking a lot more like snake eyes lately because he lost the coat and has sort of rabbit helmets but you see his eyes for the first time his helmet isn't off but his eyes are out and he doesn't have eyelids and he's working on his hand but he's doing it like four feet from a furnace with like an open flame in it I just wrote down no way this eyelidless cat is doing his shit four feet from an open furnace because uh, this motherfucker's workbench shit is 15 feet away and his eyes will be like sandpaper raisins by now if you don't have tear ducts, you don't have eyelids, you can't hang out in your open flames. It's a rule. <laughs> See, I like that you refer to him as Psychomantis because I refer to him as the Clockwork Assassin for the entirety of this movie. Well, I mean, he can be Clockwork. Uh, snake eyes from now on, if you like, but he's definitely, he's gonna be a character from another movie, because that's how I operate. Oh yeah, no, I totally get that. (laughs) And snake eyes is cool. I don't even know what that's from, actually. Uh, Yeah, Joe. Okay, yeah, no, I haven't seen the, the recent one. Uh, yeah, I know. I don't know. He's a toy I had, that's why I love him, but that's fine. Oh, uh, okay. And Abe is the one who's gonna go in, because I guess his psychic touch doesn't work on water. So they give him a, a, a relic that'll keep him away. Mm-hmm. But he ties around his wrist with like a string which snaps right away. <laughs> <laughs> right, because he goes underwater and he's searching for the eggs. Was he sur- I guess he was searching for the eggs. And then it just the relic thing just falls off. And then he's attacked, of course. And which is actually kind of stressful, because he's not the fighter. Oh yeah, no, it was terrifying. Because it's like, that's actually exactly what I wrote down. I said, it's unfortunate how telepaths are almost never decent fighters because he gets the shit kicked out of him underwater. Yeah, and I, and I 
like, I was actually pretense. It's like, no, Abe, don't go down there. Yeah, Why, you no, beautiful it's... bastard. Then <laughs> 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 I, I did like, I really like the banter between Hellboy and Abe here, because this is like the only. One of only two scenes where they're out in the world still being casual. Um, but it's very beautiful. Our life is so glorious, pulling up all those roaches and stuff. And the, <laughs> like, it's a fun, they're fun buddy cops. Yeah, and I mean, this is also like the second to last scene that Abe is even in. Yeah. You know, after he gets nearly murdered. Well, I like how they're called red and blue. I don't know why, that's just <laughs> really handy. Well, I mean, for... Yeah, but just mean as, as code names like that is everyone knows exactly who you mean. But also, yeah. if you picked that up, you would assume it meant something else. So fair enough. <laughs> and that's just my angry all caps. I was like, really though? The stream just snapped? No. <laughs> Uh, at this point, I realized how much I wanted to be Samael if I was anyone in this movie. Because he can swim faster than the goddamn fish man. Like, Abe is not even able to get away quickly. Um, because Samael is such a good swimmer. And they're good at everything except being on fire. Like, House of Resurrection are awesome, and that's what I would want to be in this world. <laughs> well, I mean, not only are they, I mean, even if they're not good at being on fire, it's not like you're going to be dead for that long. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's perfect. So, that's what I want yeah. for myself. <laughs> I <want to> gross <laughs> tentacle dog. That's... It's like I was thinking, in Twilight Worlds, do I want to be a vampire or a werewolf? In the Hellboy World, do I want to be a merman or a demon? Like, no, no, no. I want to be gross-ass. gross. <laughs> Can't be killed. Grows on nothing, doesn't need to eat, guy. <laughs> <laughs> Hounds for Resurrection are awesome. They find uh, Snake Eyes' lair. I don't even know his name. Is it Kroger? Like the grocery store? Um. Kroger or Cronin or Conan or something like that. Um, <laughs> that's another reason I, 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 I don't know his name. 
Now I have to look it up again because I know I saw it and I don't remember what it was. Uh, but they see, they see his collection of like helmets for every occasion. And I'm just again impressed by it. the prop work for this movie is awesome. Cronin. Yeah, Carl Ruprecht Cronin. I mean, it's, yeah. it's a cool name, even. It's just. But it's just. Yeah. I'm not gonna remember it. Yeah. What's the. What's the. The Frau Line's name while you're there? Uh. Ilsa Hauptstein. Halpstein? Halpstein? Ilsa I'm not sure. I might remember yeah. that. Yeah. But Snake Eyes and Angry works better for me. <laughs> but so you, you find his lair. The props in this movie are beautiful. I didn't mention the weird, like, giant robot glove from the beginning of the movie he has to use, which is sort of the same dimensions as Hellboy's stone hand, but all the props are great. The costumes are great. I love the visuals in this, this movie. Yeah, they, it's, it, it is, I do appreciate the fact that they relied a lot more on practical effects and puppetry than just straight CG, because CG of the early to mid-2000s was not good. Yeah, and it, it, Date yeah. your movie terribly if you used it too much, which it did with a lot of movies. Yeah, like the the one thing that always that I always think back to in, in like early to mid two thousand CG movies is uh, Spider Man three of all things. Because I think it was the, like, the end of that movie where Spider-Man is fighting Venom and they're, like, swinging through New York and it was, like, just the most painfully yeah. CGI, CGI. It's like, oh, God. Although I will it give that looks movie credit for the Sandman scene where yes. he first creates was. That was amazing. That was, I'm because they just used one. Because it, it was easy to do rigid stuff. And they just did a bunch of rigid sand particles, and that was beautiful. Yeah, no, that was fantastic. But the movie was bad. <laughs> well, what about the, what about the pie scene, though? No, I mean, it's a flower that grew out of hunter, but it's, uh, 
Fair enough. <laughs> um, uh, okay, so they're... Alright, they're fighting more hounds. Hellboy falls, like, a quarter mile down shafts. And I just wrote, Jesus, how deep is the subway station? <laughs> because they fall down from underground and land in the subway station, which... <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> They're like, oh, broad daylight, right. Whoopsie-doodles. And also that subway station's a mile deep, which you don't Just do, because... The drool, so much drool. <laughs> and this is the only part of the movie where I can tell this time I was a costume. Yeah. Because, like, there's yes. one part where he's swinging around his giant claw. And you can just sort of tell by the weight and the way the arm bends that, like, eh, it's foam rubber. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this, like, is, this is the only, this is the only scene, like, in the entire, again, it's the entire, it's the only scene with any of the, CGI or puppetry or costumes where it looks like uh, a costume. Yeah, but it's also the only scene where they have it moving around close to the camera and under fluorescent lights, which might have been a mistake. Yeah. Because they're it's otherwise pretty fantastic throughout. Uh, they do a good job with, especially with the Hound, of when to switch back and forth to CGI when it's just in the distance and the dark, doing like sort of golem crawling walls thing. Where it's, uh, it's really convincing but for one moment in this fight scene. Maybe two moments in this yeah. fight scene. Yeah, um, exactly. There's a lot of drool. Hellboy gets so much glass in his back. It's so <laughs> gross. <laughs> uh, and then they have the kitten thing, which is actually really funny. God, that was, that was my, in, in all caps, I wrote, why would you have a box full of kittens? That is such a stupid movie trope. No, but it's, I mean, it felt I mean, like it's, a joke. It's, it's great. It's great. Yeah, exactly. But then it actually happens, like, Wait, seriously? That's a thing that's happening? 
Right, but it has to be like, I, I took this humorous moment. Oh yeah, no, it's... Which made it more okay for me, but he's, he's fighting this thing. He's already fought one of these things. He doesn't seem to care when he gets hurt because he heals so fast or whatever. Uh, so they introduced this box of kittens he has to keep safe <laughs> as a sort of stressor on the fight. <laughs> and just like, I'm my kittens. <laughs> it was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, so he kills the monster. The fight seems a little forgettable for me. Um, although they do more of the the House of Resurrection awesome thing, like he breaks its arm and just snaps the arm back into place. I think it gets thrown through a subway and like jumps out the back and snaps its spine around 180 degrees so it can get its feet back under it or something. Like it's super flexible. It's this rad monster. Um, but it's easy enough to kill and you run off with a subway train. Pretty much, yeah. Meanwhile, the whole team dies. <laughs> All of the humans die. Yeah. Abe is nearly murdered. Uh, Abe is nearly murdered. Clay helped with his old handler with the hair plugs, which I liked as a thing they kept referring to. <laughs> yeah. Because it is hair plugs. Like, I, the actor might have even had hair plugs, or it was just uh, a prop thing. But they look like hair plugs. And instead of ignoring it, they keep doing the, like, this doesn't look fake, right? And Hell was like, nah, man, I can't tell the difference. I like it. This sort of great back and forth of their friends. But he gets killed by Cronin. Cronin. Yeah, Cronin. Yeah. Uh, who then kills himself, but not actually. Mm -hmm. So he can get taken back and have an autopsy on him and sneak in and all that. Yep. Hellboy throws a tantrum at Manning. Then, at some point during all of this, there's a scene where Myers goes and tells Liz she can come back to 
the place because the mental hospital isn't working out so well for her because she just killed a bunch of people. Yeah. <laughs> so, this, if nothing else, did some property damage. Yeah, or that's, that's never really mentioned. Lightly singed a bunch of people with a fireball that could blow bricks out of a wall. But... <laughs> Um, exactly. But can't hurt something as resilient as human flesh. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is where the movie loses me for a little bit. Because she kind of just drops by Hellboy's room to say she's going out. <laughs> um, he's immediately lost interest in all of his dead friends and his still alive fish friend who's in like a back to tank or something. Uh, that's exactly I actually wrote down is even a culto tank? Lost Star Wars. <laughs> that is actually what I wrote down. So, so that's a deeper cut, because <laughs> as we all know, back to tanks were the ones from Empire Strikes Back. Colto is the one that you get in the Knights of the Old Republic video game. <laughs> and I, of course, recognize both of those. But I love that that's the one your mind goes to first. <laughs> you know, Star Wars, that video game. <laughs> <laughs> okay, to be fair, I have played through Nice of the Republic far more times than I have watched in The Empire Strikes Back. That's true, and it's several dozen hours longer. So fair. Yeah, exactly. Like I think I've I think I've played Nice of the Republic one for about a hundred plus hours total. Probably more than that, actually. It's a real good game, man. I got oh, yeah. nothing bad to say it's, about it. It's fantastic. Uh, Bioware's my shit. I love those guys. Hey, listen, Bioware. If you would like to advertise on Matt named Manatees, because <laughs> <laughs> Lord knows they need the revenue. I'll, I'll talk your shit up for free. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> 
at this point my notes are just, why are we doing this date thing? I don't want to be here. I don't want to do this. <laughs> and why are we offsetting it with fucking Freddy Krueger's autopsy? Which is cause, cause he's Freddy Krueger now. Oh yeah. We, we've gone from he was Psychomantis thing with Snake Eyes. Now he's Freddy Krueger for a minute. <laughs> He'll go back to being Snake Eyes later. <laughs> so they've got him they've got Cronin on a table. Professor Broom does. Uh, and he's super gross. And oh yeah, I forgot this movie is PG thirteen because what the shit? <laughs> <laughs> he's got no lips. He's got no eyelids. He's this horrifying cyborg prop. Uh, and you get a little bit of his backstory, which is that he had a surgical addiction and replaced so much of himself that he became an ageless abomination that can't age anymore because things that age have blood. Yep. And he just has dust or something. Yeah, basically. Inquiring minds like mine want to know how he can move then, but whatever. Fuck me, I don't get to know. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, I'm still going with clockwork, you know? Yeah, no, he does have a lot of elegance. That's how he shut his heart down. He twisted some dial that then made ticking noise. And he, he's always preceded by a ticking noise. Right, like, yeah, yeah. So he's a cyborg who invented himself, I guess. Yeah, which is sort of like a steampunk cyborg clockwork psychomantis snake eyes assassin. Yeah, well, steampunk is actually just pretty big aesthetic through this whole thing, I've noticed. Like, there's, yeah. Yeah. there's the gear dungeon later on, and the whole, like, the outs. It's kind of cool. I don't like steampunk yeah. in general just because it seems like that's the beginning and end of most creativity that's involved with. <laughs> but I like it as an element. Uh, yeah. I'm just not that it's like, hey, you guys, what if Darth Vader was steampunk? Done! So he's... And then they're cutting back and forth between this funny date scene and this horrific taking apart of this dust <laughs> 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 <It's> like, <laughs> uh, 
Hey, I mean, you know, Guillermo del Toro. What more can you need to say? No, I mean, I love the autopsy. I like Hellboy's chemistry with the kid. Because mm -hmm. he finds some kid on a rooftop while he's spying on Liz and Myers. Well, I mean, you you can't forget about the part where Hellboy's trying to spy on them. And he's trying to leap from rooftop to rooftop, but he mistimes one of his jumps and just barely clings onto the wall. He's like, oh crap, slams into the wall. <laughs> and we like, get his that, that was enjoyable. His like catchphrase for the action figure, which seems to be oh crap. <laughs> so, so, like 19 times. <laughs> like, it's no, it's clobbering time, but it's pretty good. <laughs> Pull the string. Oh, crap. Cool. <laughs> like, 
and only remembers the one point is like, no, that's not how it works. Also, hey, wait a minute, you're nine. Don't give me <laughs> relationship <laughs> advice. <laughs> like, that was... <laughs> Even though the kid is giving him relatively logical relationship advice. Yeah, and the kid's smarter than him, but that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Hellboy's not a clever hero, he's just cool. <laughs> but then it keeps coming back to meanwhile, the movie that I care about. Right. The good professor is murdered by the waking up uh, snake guys. Who doesn't wake up on the autopsy table? It's something that startle jumps here. He just comes down the stairs later while the professor's dictating his notes. And this seems actually yeah. really cool. But yeah, I I actually that what I wrote down specifically in my notes was oh god, clockwork assassins not dead. So much for sleeping tonight. Because <laughs> it was it wasn't like it wasn't like super jump scare, but it was still like. I mean, I kind of figured he probably wasn't dead, but still, it was just... You know, like, he's covered in the sheet and everything, and just suddenly, like, Oh, right, he's not actually dead. I was kind of not expecting that. I was kind of... I guess I was more... Uh, more involved in the movie that I gave myself credit for and when that happened I was like Jesus Christ and then I wrote that down so that was that was uh, more of a, it was a bit more sudden and unexpected than I expected it to be well you know that creepy ass like the, the plastic sheet thing first, which I like yeah. a lot, where it just shows his breath by him breathing into the plastic sheet and it's sort of rising and falling. Then you see his horrible face for the first time totally, <laughs> uh, but then he puts the mask on so it's, it's mercifully short. Yeah. But I like the, uh... Like, he's coming downstairs and what's the line? He's like, I see the puppet. Where's the puppeteer? Oh, like, yeah. Dr. Simon Franks, he knows it's not... Like, the Cronin isn't even a person at this point. He's a robot. Um... Then Rasputin shows up to explain shit, <laughs> which is that Hellboy is 
the thing he needs to end the world. And it seemed, I didn't quite get this, it seemed too convenient. That, oh, that Hellboy is supposed to be the, the key to ending the world. Yeah, he sort of just dumped in there the last minute because the beginning, it looks like Hellboy's an accidental also makes it through. Um, then it turns out he's a vital part of the ritual, which means how are they going to finish it in 1944 without it? You know? Mm, yeah. Because, like, he had that giant robot glove. Or the giant steampunk robot glove, which I figure means he can use that instead of Hellboy's hand. And if that's true... Why do they need him now? Because if anything, we can make better robot hands now than 1944. <laughs> and I know it's magic, so whatever, but given what they showed us already, this didn't make a lot of sense to me. And this is my only like major hiccup with the plot is that they were already going to open a portal and let the tentacle guys through. So why is it now they need this guy they didn't have then? You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's honestly a good point, and I... I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. Uh, so he reveals that he has the, uh, the ones that kill the doctor and the whole cancer pollen goes nowhere. Hmm. And that's it for him. Why he didn't dismember that guy on the autopsy table, I don't know. Because that's just... Yeah. Like, back on my planet, if there's ever anything... Vampire, cyborg, or undead related that I'm dealing with, I'm taking them apart when I have them. Like, that's just a rule. I'm locking them in boxes. If they come back to life, they'll have to get out of the safe and then reassemble themselves before they can kill me. And I will be gone because I have alarms on the safe. <laughs> I will tie little bells yeah. to <laughs> Every finger has a jingle bell. That's my plan. <laughs> <laughs>
If you want to take the bells off, you gotta figure out something to do without your hands or feet or teeth. Cause I have tied jingle bells to all of those things. <laughs> every tooth? Yeah, every tooth is also a separate box. Fuck those guys. <laughs> I have so many boxes and so many bells. <laughs> I'm the best zombie hunter ever. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, and then there's a sad montage for Broom's death. Yeah, do the funeral. imagery they never really talk much more about but I guess like the Vatican is a legit supernatural place in this world mm. which is fine like yeah they've, they've got wizards it's fine yeah but they never really talk about them you don't quite know what the Bureau's designation is. Like, you know, it was it was founded as an advisory to President Eisenhower? I actually don't remember. <laughs> but you don't know who the Bureau is. Whatever, it's a, it's a total side. But, um, one thing I underlined before this is why is no one on duty in this space? Because, like, I know they just lost three field agents, but it seems like the professor wouldn't be alone in the base with no one standing between him and the freaking morgue. Unless he just lives right next to the morgue and that's his room. But it was strange to me. Yeah. See Abe Sapien for the last time. He's in his back to tank talking to Liz about how Hellboy's sad that his dad's dead. And then they go to Russia on an airplane that has the, the crest of their super secret organization painted. 12 feet high on the side of the fucking airplane. <laughs> Which is, is the worst secret organization since 
shield from Agents of Shield not the movies. <laughs> Agents of Shield not a show that endorses. <laughs> they do that shit on everything. I think they might spray paint it on crime scenes they leave. <laughs> <laughs> Cherry Coke. Yeah, Cherry Coke, uh, Bioware, anyone but Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., get at me. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. So they're at a... I, I almost wanted to call it a funeral. No. Word is a grave site, graveyard, cemetery, cemetery. I'm not good with words tonight. Graveyard. No, I'm really good with words. Yeah. Corpse and. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, shel- shelving for people. <laughs> yeah, so there's the junkyard. There you go. You got there eventually. So they're trying to figure out where Rasputin's mausoleum is. Uh, and. Hellboy decides to go off on his own because, of course. But do you know? Though, did you catch why they're trying to figure out where Rasputin's mausoleum is? Because I didn't get that. I think Rasputin he he explained it to Broom before Cronin uh, killed him that uh, they were going to lead Hellboy to Russia because I guess Rasputin had rebuilt whatever the machinery that he needed in order to unlock the uh, 
the Eldritch Jahar again. So they were, so they like left a clue there because, um, so it's like his back. There was some, yeah, because they mentioned some name several times. Because I guess that's what uh, Cronin had, had like planted the name on himself or something, like a piece of paper with some guy's name, some Russian guy's name, and they kept referring to him as number 16, and I guess that might have been the address, or that he was the 16th something for Rasputin, or... Okay, so it's like... So the piece of paper he had was the address of the cemetery or something? Oh, I guess, yeah, maybe that might have been what it was. Yeah. So, yeah. At this point, they're trying to get Hellboy to go there. So they really will just leave sticky notes with, like, this is where we at. Pretty much, yeah. Okay, I gotcha. Yeah, but I think Rasputin actually, like, he, he planned, or he, like, planted the evidence there at, at Broom, where, where Broom is dead, just yeah. to kind of, to kind of, uh, push them in the, quote, right direction to get them to Russia. So that's why they're there. And this, so they're trying to find the mausoleum. I do and really I guess, like the, uh, sorry, random stuff. I, I didn't yeah. really love Broom's death scene, though. I was just sort of thinking about getting the, uh, Mutual respect, or at least yeah. just the respect Rasputin has to serve. Because you've done all this stuff for me, I'll tell you what's gonna happen. Don't worry, it'll be quick. Like it was, it was cool. Yeah. Like yeah. you killed me in the forties. No one kills me. <laughs> 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 exactly. <laughs> yeah. So Sorry. okay. So yeah. they're in. No, it's okay. They're in a Russian cemetery. Mm-hmm. And I guess Hellboy knows some knows a way to sort of resurrect corpses. Yeah, I guess that's what he was doing. Like, one of his hell powers is raising the dead. Yeah. Which you'd think would come up more, but alright. Yeah, but just, you know, the one time 
I guess. I guess you can just do it once every so often. Well, if I so, was if I was working alongside Hellboy, hunting down hounds of resurrection shit, I would want it in my like living will. Listen, I'm gonna get murdered. I want you to bring me the fuck back. And I'll be a rad zombie agent. Let's not. <laughs> don't just throw me in the ground. <laughs> you have this shit you can do. Yeah. But only for this one guy, I guess. Yeah. So I guess he finds. I don't know what this this other character's relation is to Rasputin or anyone else. I guess there's some relation to him, not sure. But he finds some character, I think his name is Ivan something something. Yeah, he had a specific name which might be a historical figure for all I know. Maybe, uh, and, uh, so he resurrects the corpse, and then he makes the corpse tell him where the mausoleum is. Then he carries it with them on his back. Exactly. And uh, the other thing I like about this, about Ivan, is that he is voiced by Guillermo del Toro. Uh, Guillermo voiced a lot of guys, I think, didn't he? I, th I think this is the only character he did in this movie. He's done, he's done like a lot of He's voiced a lot of other characters in his own movies. I think this is the only one in this movie that he did. I think he also voiced, like, the Hounds when they were doing their non-word noises and stuff. Hmm. Possibly. And maybe Cronin? I don't know, I thought he voiced pretty much everyone who isn't a, uh, character character. I mean, maybe he's actually a really good, he's actually a surprisingly good voice actor. I mean, I mean, if you've seen, you know, his masterful work as Pappy McCoyle, He's utterly terrifying and makes all sorts of creepy, disgusting noises. And, for the record, this, this corpse, it's not like a fresh corpse, it's like a mummy. Oh, yeah. Which is no, also a practical effect, and it looks great. Mm -hmm. uh, it looks great. It, it doesn't look... When it moves and speaks, it doesn't look super smooth. 
but it kind of works anyway because it's a horrible animated mummy corpse. Yeah, exactly. Because, like, it is weird. The puppet, whatever it does, has these... The lips are dried and pulled back from teeth really well. And when it moves, it looks wrong and fake, but not... Exact is wrong and fake as it seems like it should. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, it's hard to describe. Like, it, the way it gets sort of out of the uncanny valley is, um, by looking like it's being animated by something other than human muscle and it works. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. But I guess cool. And funny. Yep. Because he's Hellboy uh, right away. Yep. <laughs> So they find the mausoleum after a short trek, I guess, and uh, they're going through, you know, down, down in the depths, yeah. and Hellboy weird steampunk tabletop dungeon. She's. <laughs> And then Hellboy tempts fate by saying, we'll be fine as long as we don't separate. And then the door comes down and immediately breaks the group in half. Which, of course, I wrote down, why you gotta tempt fate, Hellboy? And there's like the A-team, which is Hellboy and Manning, and a red shirt named Lime, (laughs) and the B-team, which is Liz and Myers, and a red shirt whose name I don't know. (laughs) Jesus. Then it doesn't take too long for... Puppet mummy and lime to die. Uh, oh yeah, because this trap comes down and knocks both of them into the giant gear pit. And it really is like it, it looks like a Dungeons and Dragons dungeon because there's all these different passages. There's all these sort of background gears, but only a few places where the players can actually go. <laughs> and I liked Lime, like he never actually said anything, but they handed him the puppet mummy at one point. <laughs> he just sort of starts carrying him, and then he and the horrible Papa Mummy exchange a couple glances while Manning and Hellboy are fighting. 
consider pretty great. Like, like Manny keeps ordering him to stay still. Hellboy keeps ordering him to come forward. They start yelling yeah. at each other. And he and I have just sort of look at each other like, the fuck? <laughs> Which I like a lot because he's a young, attractive, living person, and I was clearly a puppet of a mummy. It's just like I would have liked to see those two's adventure a little bit more, but they get killed right away. Yeah. And then there's that bridge scene where, uh, like, the, the bridge, I guess, starts to collapse. I think something, did something, like, fall and destroy half the bridge? Yeah, well, the gears all start shifting. Right. The giant, uh, pendulum that's apparently part of the clockwork mechanism. Okay. comes through and that's what kills Lime and the mummies it just swings right through them right knocks okay. the bridge in half and then you've got the sort of Kazid Doom thing going on mm-hmm. where they have to make it across the bridge before it collapses Did, didn't help okay per- Correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Hellboy just, like, fling Manning across, you know, just, like, like, bowl him across the, the, uh, the bridge? Yeah. To make sure he didn't, you know, die? And that's where one of the other little, uh, slip-ups comes in, because he throws Manning... So Manny can slide under a door while it's closing. And he does. And then Hellboy runs across the bridge as it's collapsing and slides under the same door right as it's closing. Which is not how time works. But it was fine. Yeah. Because, I mean, again, that was... Like, that's the only other scene from this movie that I remember. From the previous viewing of it 12 years ago. That was was pretty cool. It was kind of exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And then they have a cute bonding moment over cigars. Well, that's after the... Oh, that's after, isn't it? Yeah, because it turns out Freddy Krueger's psychomantis snake eyes is just right the fuck there. Right, right, that part. But he's literally like, he's through a doorway and down a little hallway filled with knives. Uh, coming out the walls and stuff. And it's a little funny because he's, he's going down, they're going down the little hallway. 
Jeffrey Tambor is Jeffrey Tambor? Yeah. Uh, Nicks his hands, it's like, ouch. And Hellboy, you know, looks at All him, right. shut up. And Psycho Mantis, uh, Snake Eyes, Freddy Krueger, hears that, but <laughs> didn't hear the entire shouted conversation, which, if we're keeping track, was eight feet further away. <laughs> But the comedy relief of this boss guy is actually pretty good. Because, mm-hmm. like, when he cuts his finger, says ouch, they go in, they can't find Snake Eyes or help with freaking out a little bit. And then he's just like, hey, and help looks back. It was actually pretty deep because his finger is bleeding. It was funny. I liked it. <laughs> it was a groaner, but <laughs> Hellboy kills Cronin, throws him into a spike pit, crushes him with like a five thousand pound gear or something. Because it's solid steel and it's five feet wide and it's round. And then Manning throws in a littler gear that he can carry. And this is very funny. <laughs> and they. He teaches them how to smoke cigars with matches because that's better than. And that's the end of Snake Eyes. (laughs) (laughs) A little anticlimactic for him, but whatever. Well, I mean, it was also mildly ironic the fact that a, you know, sort of clockwork assassin was killed by a gear. I guess it was. I, okay, I can appreciate that. Eh. I just thought it was odd that he apparently doesn't need any vitals at all, but getting impaled enough and losing enough sand still looks like it's gonna kill him. <laughs> uh, and he has to get squished also. Yeah, I... I I'm pretty sure it was the squishing that actually killed him, because he was, he didn't seem like he was going to die from just being impaled Mortal Kombat style, so. Yeah, I just, I don't understand what his rules are, like how, I don't know why he's locked in the first place, which means I don't know how they kill him, but whatever. I mean, we don't actually know if he's dead, right? I guess not. I mean, I think I think the I think the whole idea was that he was he's alive because Rasputin is still controlling him. I guess. 
maybe, maybe it's just stuck. If you got heavy enough gear on you, you're stuck, and that's good enough. <gasps> yeah, pretty much, because he, he didn't seem like he was particularly strong. Yeah, he never just seemed very... He never seemed that formidable when Hellboy's around. He was formidable compared to, <laughs> like, red shirts and old men. Mm-hmm. And security guards. I mean, with everyone except Hellboy, in fairness, but not against Hellboy. Yeah, because Hellboy just, you know, punched his swords away and then punched him in the face and destroyed his face more than it could be. So, yeah. Meanwhile, the B-team accidentally finds themselves in a pile of eggs and a bunch of the resurrection hounds. <laughs> Astro and sweet more hounds because I love these guys. But they're coming for them. They kill the red shirt. They're gonna kill Liz and John, except Hellboy hears them and punches through the floor to get to them. <laughs> and then he's just killing a bunch of them the more he keep respawning whenever he does. So I guess what you gotta do to beat these guys is to kill all 12,000 eggs worth of them or something. I suppose so. Because you just have respawn powers. Uh, yeah. It's kind of cheap. Mm. But then... Liz needs to get angry, so she has John punch her, and then she catches on fire. And I like this scene a lot. Because they're in this sort of big wet room and the water's blowing away from her feet and stuff and just the effects are pretty good. Again, the blue thing doesn't work for me, whatever. Because you sort of have flames wafting off her and then show everything in the room through this sort of red, orange, flickery haze. So the burning effects happen, but you don't see them, like, get engulfed in flames and disappear. You, like, see them get reduced to ash. Where I feel like it probably actually burnt some props or something. Because she boils away all the eggs and burns all the guys. And then explodes to the point where she can knock rocks and stuff aside. So I guess it's not just fire, it's like an actual nuclear thing. Yeah. And it's real cool, except for some reason Myers is still alive afterwards, which makes no sense. Because <laughs> he's lying on, like, an ash floor next to the skeleton of a resurrection hound, and he's fine. 
<laughs> I don't do it. <laughs> but in the process of exploding, she also knocked her entire team out so they could all get tied up and stuff. Then what happened? Uh, then... Was it Hellboy who wakes up or Myers? I forget which one we see the point of view. Uh, I wrote that it was Vanilla Frosh, and I think that's Myers. Something. 
I guess so. But then again, at the same time, why would you trust the word of Rasputin in the first place? Yeah. Also, it turns out he can get her back pretty easily, so don't kid. Yeah. So there it's... really wasn't. You don't need to do any of this, Hellboy. But, uh... <laughs> so he grows like 12 feet tall. Um... He grows his horns well, out. He looks pretty cool for a second. Well, because he has to speak his own name in order to unlock the stocks so he can do that. And apparently when he does that, his horns regrow and he grows gigantic. Yeah, so his own name turns him more into a demon or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the whole thing visually looks pretty cool, but at this point I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Which I guess is fine, because it's magic stuff, but uh, it is kind of bad just because this scene, the last scene, me a little bit as far as knowing what's at stake and what needs to be done. Because there's two holes in the stone they're going to use, which I think means it has to be Rasputin with his robot hand and Hellboy. But it turns out Hellboy's just got to do both of them. One at a time, so you only got one stone hand. Uh, yeah. So he, he does one, you get some pretty sweet effects of this giant tentacle. Kind of looks like a ram head on one, but you always see him in shadows and they don't make a whole lot of sense. Giant tentacle Cthulhu things break out of their frozen meteor prison and start like reaching their tentacles down through the clouds, which looks really cool actually. And when he does the first lock, it does the shoot a laser into the sky, make bad portal happen on the moon thing. <laughs> Which, in fairness, this is 2004, I don't think every superhero movie and its mom had started doing that yet. <laughs> like, this is before Avengers, this is before Suicide Squad, this is before Man of Steel, this is before literally every fucking Transformers, Dark Side Moon does that. Uh, help me out. Uh, I, to be fair, none of those movies I've seen. Okay. Well, <laughs> every climax now involves shooting a laser into the sky to open a portal. But, um, or to to crush something, I don't know. But Hellboy did it first, so no fair complaining about it. 
disarms it. But then Myers throws him his rosary. It's like, remember that you're not a guy who wants to end the world all the time. Hellboy. <laughs> Is I think what he says. <laughs> he said something like, you know, remember who you are and you can choose, you get to decide your own destiny or something because I guess I guess he listened to Rasputin. Rasputin was saying something about the fact that Hellboy's destiny was to bring about the end of the world. Even though he's Rasputin, and why would you believe him in the first place? Yeah. Well, it sounds like there's actually some truth there, because that's Maybe. what Stone Hand is for the whole time. Maybe. Yeah. But then, then mm-hmm. I wrote down. Yeah. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, you go. You go. Oh, well, well, I mean, so I wrote down here, of course, because he threw the cross and Hellboy remembered what he was and decided to not destroy the world, I wrote down. Funny how, in the end, religion actually saved people's lives for once. <laughs> well, because he also, he's... Hellboy's been holding the rosary the whole time. Um, but oh, he throws yeah. it to him and it burns his hand for the first time. Which kind of makes him realize that now he's going full. Like, he's getting a little too arch. It's too arch for the <laughs> And meanwhile, like, isn't Myers kicking the Ilsa to death or something? Yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't even notice what had happened because it's like, I think she slapped the shit out of Myers at one point. Yeah, there's like and this, then... this B-team fight scene between the immortal woman and the tied-up guy. Well, yeah, but I, like, what I, what I didn't realize until she got knocked out in, like, one punch from Myers is that... She may be immortal or she has eternal life. Doesn't mean she has any other powers. She's still just a regular person other than that, apparently. Yeah. Like, I wonder if she can even be killed. She just doesn't age or if she's just... Every time she's over, she wakes up or something. I'm pretty sure she just doesn't age because, you know... 30 seconds later, uh, she gets crushed by a giant tentacle, so. I mean, it's still good. I'll still take it. Oh, yeah. It's not really immortality. It's just agelessness. Yeah, it's not quite immortality. I mean, I I assume she's also... 
it's probably immortality in, in regards to things like congestive heart failure or something. Yeah. Because like even without aging, she could still get some blockages going and she doesn't seem to have. But yeah, well, I mean, she's like forever 23 or whatever. I guess. Cholesterol still builds up, man. Yeah. You can clog a 23-year-old artery, I'm just saying. Oh, yeah, no, I, I get that, I get that. <laughs> so, she has some damage resistances. Most of them internal organ failure, like. Um... <laughs> yeah, so Hellboy remembers who he is, uh, decides that instead of destroying the world, he's just going to uh, punch Rasputin to death. So oh, he, he does. He breaks his right? form off and stabs him. Oh, right, right. That's what he does. That Sorry, was actually my pretty mistake. Sweet. Right. I, yeah. I forgot because I completely couldn't tell what the hell was going on because action sequences are confusing to me. Well, and I wish this one had been a little longer because this should have been the climax, I think. Right, I know. It's like the, well, this and then the next part. It's like the double final boss battle was very anticlimactic. Yeah, and also just the way this happened to gear up for the second boss battle was a little too fast for the gravitas I think it needed. Yeah, definitely. Because it's like, it's like a f- minute and a half in and out mm-hmm. to do all these things. Yeah, from, from stabbing Rasputin and killing him to the final boss appearing from... It, Ripping its ripping itself out from Rasputin, and then crushing Rasputin and Ilsa, and then well, they have within. I, I like how they sort of built this because the entire movie they have been having Rasputin show off that he's got something inside him. Yeah. Like oh yeah. The, that no. That was that was a great effect. Cause it's like he's the actor's old enough and thin enough that his hands have that you can see all the veins and sort of tendons when he holds up the back of his hand. Uh, and to show that he's come back a little different, he does that with I think Professor Broom or someone. And you can see something slithers around between his ten- his tendons and his skin a couple times. So like you know there's something 
snake-like or tentacle-like inside of him, which is pretty sweet. Uh, this whole time, you don't know what it is, but he's brought his gods back from beyond with him, and that's pretty cool. And another reason why I can see why he would actually have followers. Yeah, well, that's real. I can see that shit. And now you get to see what it is, which is a large, kind of forgettable tentacle monster that also creates matter out of nothing and grows to like 80 feet tall with no fuel. Yeah. Yeah. Which everything just creates matter in this movie. Like, it's not a big deal. Yeah, and, you know, I guess he already had one of them on Earth anyway, because he was trying to bring the other seven, but one was inside his tummy. Escape, but they decided to go back. Or Hellboy decided to go back. Because Myers and Liz make it out. Or Myers carries Liz out because she's dead. Hellboy goes back. Turns out the statue had a real sword embedded in it for some reason. So he uses that to chop it up. My notes at this point are just... So wait, he already had one of them inside him on Earth anyway? So wait, that statue had a real sword embedded in it? So wait, Hellboy can just... Wait, wait, you know what, fuck. <laughs> because... <laughs> well, cause... Uh... Cause... Myers handed him, like, a belt of grenades or something. Oh, like yeah. Like, their, their, their relic, reliquary grenades or whatever they are. And I guess that was what was supposed to kill him. But I think he said something like the detonator was busted. So, yes, yeah, so because yeah, Ilsa was smashing the detonator as her first, like, right, yeah, relevant act, yes, exactly, since resurrecting Rasputin, yeah, she does two things in this movie, yep. <laughs> she resurrects the main boss and she breaks a, a timer on a gazelle. <laughs> yeah, and so I. Hellboy decides that he has to make the noble sacrifice and uh, holds on to the. the grenade belt lets the tentacle monster swallow him whole and then I 
guess he manages to detonate them somehow. Maybe he just punches them or something. Pulls the cable, I guess, that was attached to the timer. Maybe, I guess. Manny explains briefly how it works. I just trusted it made sense. I didn't actually, re- I don't even remember that part. Yeah. Then there's and so much squid meat oh for free. Oh my god. He doesn't eat any of it. <laughs> like it's raw and it's fresh, that's good Ika. Eat that shit. <laughs> Also, why I'd be a great zombie hunter. It's like, no, you go ahead. I'm gonna eat this fucking room. (laughs) (laughs) Then it turns out Liz wasn't dead. She was possessed, but also dead, but also something. Yeah, all then, he has to do to bring her back is whisper into her ear and threaten whatever has her. I something like that because I think he was. I forget exactly what he said, but it was something to the effect of, uh, "If you, if you, if." Whoever's on the other side keeps her soul, then uh, I'm gonna come in and take it from you. And I guess that was scary enough that they decided to go ahead and let her soul go free. Yeah, I mean, he threatened to kill himself so he'd be over there and then he would find whoever was responsible thing. Yeah. Which, fair enough, but I don't get, like, she wasn't, she was possessed. But she wasn't possessed, she was dead. But then she she was only dead while she was possessed. Like, I don't... If she was dead that whole time, her cells are fucked up by now. Like, whether her soul's out or not, like... She's got some problems. Vulcan mind melt. I mean, you can't just, like, if she's room temperature, her brain cells are getting fucked up. (laughs) Anyway, she's fine. And those are my notes, like, her cells gotta be fucked up by now. Oh, everything's fine, I guess, never mind. Except that everyone else is dead, so nothing's fine. <laughs> uh, and then they kiss, and because she can't control her fire when she's feeling emotional, 
they catch on fire, but he's fireproof, so they're perfect for each other. Yeah. I actually kind of liked that. Like, oh, right. <laughs> that works. Yeah. What else happens? Anything? Uh, I think that was like the credits roll, and then there was the little, uh, the little thing afterwards where Manny is apparently still trapped in the mausoleum. Oh, right. He's like, hello? And then it just cuts to the credits. It's like, oh, now I feel really bad for him. Like, he was kind of a dick throughout the movie, and then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, I feel bad for him, because he's trapped down there forever. Yeah, and literally everyone's dead around Yeah. <laughs> okay, and that's... that's Hellboy. Um, yeah. What did you think? Uh, okay, so I mentioned before, the first time I saw this was maybe like a year after it came out, because I don't think I saw it in theaters, and I remember not liking it, but I don't remember why I didn't like it. I think I was, like I said, I think it might have been at that weird mindset where I thought Guillermo del, Guillermo del Toro was like this overrated director. And as I recall, because you talked to me about the time, and I guess you thought that Hellboy and Selma Blair getting together was too much like an interracial relationship. And you hated that? What? <laughs> no. You're <laughs> <laughs> freaking me out, man. No, no, no. <laughs> Don't mess with my brain like that. <laughs> I was trying to make you sound like an asshole, that's all. Oh, right, no, no, okay, I get that. Just clear me with that shit beforehand next time. Dude, so I can play along. <laughs> no, sorry. No, no. You needed to deny it. <laughs> <laughs> Probably bad joke. <laughs> Especially in this day and age. Uh, but anyway. But yeah, I, I I actually did enjoy it a fair amount. I thought I thought, you know, Ron Perlman was pretty much the best possible choice for the Hellboy character. He, he mostly carried now. See, I'm about to sneeze. Go Maybe. for it. Do Possibly. It. Do it. Let it out. 
It's... It's not... It's not fair. Embrace your destiny. (laughs) This is the worst part. See, the worst part for me is when I'm I'm at that almost about to sneeze state for like two minutes. It's like just yeah, it's just like just sneeze already, get it over with, and it just my body is like nah, I'm gonna just taunt you for a little while longer. And now it feels like Yeah, exactly. You know, let's let's get let's get a cup of coffee. Let's go get a sandwich. Like, no, just get out. (laughs) Anyway, uh since my sneeze is apparently gone now. Sorry. Uh no it's why? (laughs) Why are you so because that sucks. That's oh, yeah, no, it's frustrating. <laughs> um, but, yeah, Ron Perlman was fantastic. The, uh, I really like the soundtrack. And, uh, I mean, like, the visual effects. I, I wrote here, the music, the visual effects weren't distracting enough to take me out of the moment except for that one fighting scene when they're under the fluorescent lights uh let's see yeah and I and again on on uh, on in retrospect I think that the, the Selma Blair's character choice for Liz was actually really good. Because while I was watching it, I thought, well, she's not interesting at all. But that's kind of the point, is that she's trying to keep her emotions in check throughout the movie. Yeah. And I can appreciate that now looking back on it. Tying the fire to uh, feeling any emotion strongly is really good. Mm-hmm. It's just a fun weakness and downside thing. Like, I like it. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I think it was it was far better than I gave it credit for back in 2005 or whenever it was I watched it. It does still have a few flaws in it because no movie is perfect, obviously. Um, again, some of the... Like I said, there, there was that one the one fight scene in the well-lit subway was a little awkward. Yeah. Uh, bad lighting for those costumes. So, yeah. And then, you know, like, the, the ending was just a kind of a mess. 
with all these different things happening and just feel it felt like things kind of contradicted themselves within the last bit of the of the um of the of the plot it's just like okay well it's it's kind of cool but it's also very strange and kind of confusing so not not like super fantastic in there but I can forgive it because most of the most of the actors were very well the, the characters were very well acted I didn't think that I was watching a movie except during that during that one fight scene in the subway so it was like I, I actually found myself entertained and uh, quite actually invested in it is I guess is the word I wasn't I wasn't thinking about the fact that I was watching a movie. I was actually just watching a movie. Yeah. Which is rare for me nowadays. Because if something distracts me, especially in a movie like, you know, Twilight or Fantastic Four, where it's like, right, I'm watching a movie. This is stupid. This one was like, hey, this is cool. And then I wasn't thinking about, now I'm watching a movie. So that's, it's, it's rare for me nowadays to just enjoy a movie for what it is. Nice. Yeah, I was thinking the, um, the dialogue in particular, except for the really dramatic, like, pivotal plot moments seemed really oddly organic considering the setting and what was going on. Yeah. Like, like I bought Hellboy and does she have a codename or is it just Liz? I guess just Liz. Uh, she mentioned one she mentioned once when they were flying to Russia, her her code name was Sparky. That's pretty good. Okay. Yeah, because and I think because I think Hellboy specifically said, "Who came up with that name? Was it Myers?" <laughs> and then they they flash back to them, and they're just kind of like. It's like Liz and Myers like giggling to each other or something stupid. I think. Yeah, they're like, <laughs> But yeah, anyway. Oh, okay, I like yeah. this. I like Liz and Hellboy's back and forth has two like really awkward people who can't quite talk to each other. Uh, I like everything Abe Setter did. <laughs> Yeah, I was kind of dis—I was kind of disappointed. Abe basically disappeared after the second, you know, after the second act. Yeah, 
I mean, but, he did, uh, he's not a fighter, so it makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. I can see yeah. him being there when if there's water, but also I wonder how big the team is, because like, is it only those three, or do we only meet those three? Uh, I don't know the mythology very well, but how I could he be? I always like this large team of specialists so you can rotate characters in and out of things. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of curious, because, I mean, I, I never saw the sequel, the, what was it called, the Golden Army or something? Yeah, I saw it once, and now there's one more character on the good guy side. It's like a sentient gas in a, uh, one of those diving suits. Huh. He was kind of neat. Okay. Hmm. I'd be okay with watching the sequel at this point. Because I, like, I, I kind of vaguely remember hearing about the sequel back when it came out and thinking, well, I didn't like the first one. I'm not going to watch the second one. But now that I actually found out that the first one is actually pretty good, I'd be more than willing to watch the second one. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's not on Netflix, but it's... I recall liking it better than the first one when I did like it, so I wonder why. Um, I want to see it again. I know that one's a lot less about sort of demonology and witchcraft and more about like fairies and mythical creatures, I think is a thing. Hmm. Like literal fairies are in it. There's these yeah. weird little swarm monsters and they have a troll and stuff, so it's it, it switches things up in a neat way, but I don't remember much about it. Well, I'm still willing to give it a shot. Oh yeah, me too. I just don't know where to find it right now. <laughs> so I like this movie a lot. I have few complaints about Hellboy. I like the character. I like the tone. I like the dark, but colorful, but steampunk, uh, but scary thing that's got going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it suffered a little bit from being PG-13, because there were a lot of things where you could tell it meant to be creepier and then didn't want to have blood or or a significant, like, finisher fight thing. But it was mostly fun. A couple things that 
The only issues I had with it really were I think that a lot of the normies are kind of redundant. Mostly Myers, but like all of the agents could have been one character just been less predictably about die all the time. You know? Because they had what well, they had like moss and lime and, and clay and stone and I don't know, dirt and and little bits of leaf or whatever the character's last <laughs> names were. Quartz and uh, shale. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, granite. Those all could have been either one guy who just doesn't die all the time, or maybe some sort of weird multiple man character, or like, I don't know what they could have done. <laughs> but it seemed actually. Like... Sorry? Sorry, no, I was gonna say that like a multiple man character actually would have been a lot more interesting. Yeah, like the uh Did you ever play my weird superhero game? The uh the tabletop I think so. Yeah, because you yeah, you guys had like two personalities that were different characters or something, right? Oh yeah, I think I kind of remember that, yeah. Yeah, because I had, had a, uh... This is tangential and just shows what nerd I am. <laughs> but there was a, um... A system where you could sort of... Design characters based on different powers. And a lot of the minions you guys were going to fight were just the twins. Which are two guys that have that self-cloning power. And that was really fun to play with, even though you guys never made it that far, because it was a bad game. <laughs> <laughs> but something like that. Or if you're going to have a normal couple characters, normal's fine, but... It, the equating normal with useless and disposable was a little annoying. Yeah. Cause like, everyone but Myers sucks and dies, you know? And I mean, Myers nearly dies, like, well, three times. And Myers should have died. Like, Myers oh, takes yeah. more physical damage than all, most of the characters who died, but just doesn't. Mm -hmm. So I, I didn't need Myers, or I wish Myers was more of the characters. I guess I didn't need a guy to come in for the first time to have everything explained to him because after that initial like 45 seconds it really doesn't come up like you have enough to go with you know yeah so redundant normies not a big problem just didn't need him redundant 
ending was more of a bummer for me, I think, because the actual climax was early and ended really soon, and then there was another big monster fight that was less interesting than monster fights up to that point. Where if you'd had more going on, taking more time with the Hellboy stabs to do with the horn thing, I think that would have been plenty for that. But really, other than that, no complaints. I like it a lot. Yeah. I hear, and I don't have too much news on this, but they're rebooting it. It's not going to be Ron Perlman this time. But they got the guy who plays the sheriff on Stranger Things. I don't know his name. I don't know much about him, but I know he's got a face that could work. I, that's, that's, that is yet another one of those series I have yet to watch, is, uh, Stranger Things. I've heard a lot of good things about it. I saw the pilot episode and decided that I was going to keep watching it, but added to my queue and haven't gotten to it yet. <laughs> but it's... Okay, what's his name? David Harbour is gonna be the new guy. Harbour spells the O-U-R. Hmm. I'm gonna look him up now. Yeah, like, he's got a face that could work. I think. He's got sort of vaguely Dexter Morgan. Yeah. Yeah, I can, I can see that. Yeah. What's the actor who plays Dexter Morgan? I almost forget his name. Uh, Michael C. Hall? Yeah. To me, he looks a lot like Michael C. Hall, but it has a kind of see that. Yeah. Slightly deeper set eyes and a more pronounced forehead, which is what you need for a Hellboy. Yeah, I think he might be fine. I don't know any of the other casting choices yet, but I don't know if it's going to be Guillermo del Toro or someone else this time. So, I'm holding back on my excitement until I hear more about it. But if the second one is as good as I remember, then I love this series. So, hoping to see that. Yeah. Then. Uh, hashtag Aubrey Plaza should be listening. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I have any other 
optimist. Like, I can't make fun of it much because I liked it a lot. I recommend it to everyone who hasn't seen it yet.
brought to you by our patrons over at patreon.com slash matineemanities. If you'd like to support the show, consider becoming a patron. Donations start at just $1 a month, and half of all proceeds after hosting costs will go towards actual manatee habitat preservation. You can listen to Matinee Manatees on iTunes, the Stitcher app, and YouTube. Our music was composed by Kevin McLeod. You can find this track and much more on his website, incompetech.com. <laughs>